Evening. Hello, Hibbo. So, hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the Net That Hall Compass show, the first one of 21-22 season. Um, I wanted to announce a couple of changes before we get going. So, as you've noticed, um, it's now being live streamed for the first time rather than just a VOD format. And we're going to be broadcasting at a far more kind of UK-friendly time slot, so 9.30 p.m. every week. I'm Nima, and I'm joined by my co-host and fellow hub writer, Hibbo. How, how are you, Sean? I'm doing great, Nima. Did you enjoy your honeymoon? Good time? Yeah, thank you. I came back on Saturday, so th- that was an epic six-hour drive back and straight to the FPL meetup in London. Best behaviour, I hope? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> no, so... Excited to announce uh, this evening's guest. So we're going to be joined by his friend of the show, friend of the pod. So he's Hall of Fame number two in the scout. He's a number two ranked manager on Premier Fantasy Tools. We like to refer to him as the champ champ, Tom Stevenson. So Tom, welcome to Net That Hall. Evening, Tom. Evening. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's, um, yeah, it's uh, good. I've watched your, your pod a lot of times, so glad to be here. Thanks for, Fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no, it's a real pleasure. Um, so I guess let's get a bit of housekeeping out of the way first. So we've got a lot of new viewers on tonight, I can sense already, because we had 24 likes before you even showed up, Tom. So you're definitely our most popular member of the Net That Hall crew, and you can definitely be our fifth crewmate now going forward. <laughs> so just while we're here as well, guys, so please do continue hitting that like button. Um, I think we potentially could have our first 100-like video tonight. And once the channel hits a thousand subs, um, which should be any day now, we're looking to donate a hundred dollars to charity as we previously pledged. Um, you know, obviously hit like, hit subscribe. It costs you nothing. It's going to put us out of pocket. So it's, you know, it's a good idea to back a good cause. And I think this year we've said we're going to go for a heart charity because of what happened with Christian Eriksen. Yeah. Then, so, sorry. Yeah. So uh, just a shout out there for the money league code. So it's AFG one. XNB. So, like, come on, join the league, and you're going to get the tick on today's guest, Tom Stevenson. We've got, I think, Big Man McCars in the league, FPL Matthews in the league. So, you're going to be mixing up with the best in the business. In terms of prizes, there's a year subscription to Fantasy Football Fix, and we've got a book FPL Obsessed by Matt Whelan. So, look, we don't have any thousand pound prize league. We're just giving you education. Fantastic. So, um, thanks for that, Hibbo. So, I just want to give a quick greeting to all the haulers who've joined us tonight live before we go into the show so i want to say hi to t who left the comment something like 18 hours ago to say first so thank you <laughs> i hope you are here watching otherwise i will ban you from future shows but um <laughs> fpl lens gabriel thank you for joining it must be a pleasure watching from the sofa this time and not being on air evening Niels, or morning wherever you may be we've also got um, a few more kind of regular friends of the show here as well i want to say hi to blue danube guy Mr. A, evening, Pato, Pato. We've got Kieran here as well, another Mr. Mariner to join us. Who else do we have? So we have another good friend and regular of the show. Um, hi, Ramandan. Uh, was it Ra- sorry, Ramanathan? We've got Crazy Dude, Crazy Dude, sup? We've got Chris Turner in bed at 4 a.m. Thank you for tuning in, Da. Um, before I carry on with the greetings, do you want to explain to any new listeners here about who Da is or what Da means? Da is basically the shortened version for like dad. So like Marner is basically the captain of our ship, but he's also like our surrogate father, really, I suppose. I think so. And Gabe is the kind of the adopted son from America. He, we don't talk about him. <laughs> so 
evening donny as well thanks for joining us as always evening gary evening gel and i wanted to leave the best announcement till last so we want to say that we've actually brought on a bungle as a moderator now going forward so he's here tonight evening bungle and thank you for agreeing to be a moderator going forwards and hi this is dan our friend from the fpl way thanks for tuning in as well we're already on 30 live viewers which is probably the most we've had at any given time so excited to just get cracking i think um so now that the housekeeping's out of the way i just wanted to give you a proper intro into tom so i'm going to give you a rundown so you obviously started in 2007 2008 um i can see that was a year the only year in fact that you finished outside the top 40k it looks like so it's a pretty impressive history when you look at the longevity of it and I guess what I wanted to ask you was how did you first get into FPL? So kind of what made you to get involved in 2007, 2008? And then what kind of changed in the following seasons to have such a considerable impact on your rank? Yeah, so I mean, it's, a, it's, a long, it's a long time ago. It makes me feel pretty old. But uh, yeah, I, I guess right at the start, uh, there must have been some friends who were into it. I've always been into football. I play different like fantasy games. And yeah, I, I think there were mates at work or something who were into it and basically I joined and pretty quickly enjoyed it and wanted to beat them and wanted to win the work league, etc. So that's really how I started. Um, but yeah, in terms of consistency, I guess, uh, and, and yeah, trying to steadily improve over the years, there's a whole host of things. There's not one thing you can put your finger on, but yeah, try and be patient, try and be adaptable. And then there's a host of kind of procedural things that you kind of learn with experience, you know, how to best use your chips, try to minimise your hits, try to think about captaincy. There's, you know, there's a host of stuff that uh, will put you in good stead. And yeah, yeah, seems to have gone OK the, the last few years, but I think Fantastic. you always need a decent bit of luck as well. So. I think that's very humble of you. Um, I think we'll kind of shout you out more because I have a feeling you may not be one to want to call yourself an expert, but based on the most topical debates of Twitter today, if there was one, I think it would have to be you. So my kind of looking at your ranks, you've got six top 10Ks, five top 5Ks as we see on the screen. And I think that's all well and good, but what's truly outstanding from my perspective is these last three finishes. So as we all know, FPL has been the largest it's ever been in these times. And historically managers who've been fantastic have struggled in these seasons and yet you've kind of had a 1800 300 and 1200 finish in those three seasons despite them being probably the toughest seasons in fpl history so how, how is that like i guess did you do something differently in those three years or did you kind of just play your own game and you didn't really look into the fact that the player base had grown at the time and you just continue playing as you had in prior seasons but maybe a bit more of that fortune element came about as you say yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's there must be decent luck involved. I, I guess I, you know, over the years you get a little bit wiser, don't you, of how to do different things and things that you might take on board. Definitely started to focus more on my captaincy. That's one big thing. You know, years gone by, it'd be a last minute thing. Look at stuff with five minutes to go, panic, just flip between you know two or three players. When now I try to plan it a bit more. Look at at least three or four games in advance. Start to think about who you might you know, be targeting, whether you have an adequate captain, whether you need to utilise a transfer to bring one in. So, yeah, captaincy is definitely something that's really important. And I think this year, I think I got, well, in the last season, I think I got like 650 points on captaincy, somewhere around that, which is pretty high. And I think it made up for maybe some other mistakes that I made in, you know, in other areas. 
So you can really see that if you focus on captaincy and really try to make that, you know, do well in that area, that I think it can it can really push you forward or cover up, you know, areas where you, you haven't done so well. And equally, I've, I've probably changed my viewpoint over the years on how I think about the captaincy. I definitely now really try to utilise premiums, try to pick, you know, all the time you're thinking like there's two or max three premiums that you want in your team that you can pick from on a weekly basis. And those guys are probably 12, 12 and a half million. They're really expensive. They're not value propositions. They're there pretty much just for, for captaincy and also just to kind of keep your team relatively consistent, keep a core to your team, which I find important as well, give you a good balance. So yeah, out of all the things that we you know could talk about, that's probably one of the areas that I've, I've focused on. But yeah, apart from that, it's hard to know. You do lots of things over the season. And sometimes, like this season, I was fairly surprised I came out where I did. I didn't think I played that well, but obviously did some things right, even if I didn't do other things right. So, Yeah, you made a point there about, say, like taking point hats. Like, so, like how would you go about taking point hats? Is it something that you work under your plan on? So, for example, would you set yourself a target? They say, well, in this season, I don't really want to take more than seven, eight, nine. Is that, is that the process? Or? Seven, eight, nine core players. Uh, uh, no, seven, eight, nine, same minus four point hats. Do, oh, like in, in, hits. And, yeah. in, t- in terms, in terms of say planning your hats, is that something you do? Yeah. Because you see, you, you don't seem to be very hat heavy at all. And like whenever I compared, say mm-hmm. you last season went with myself, like I had taken a lot more hats than you. And I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying to kind of get under the mindset of of like how you go about like reducing the number of hats that you take. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm definitely pretty cautious, I would say. I mean, look, there are managers out there who are better than I am. And yeah, I think a lot of it does come down to the planning. Because if you have that mindset right from the start that I'm, I'm going to try to minimise it as much as possible. And if you go in saying, right, I'm going to try and have like five or less, then at least you've got that mindset. And it might not work out that way. And to be frank, it really works out that, that way for me still. I still, like everyone, everyone gets tempted you know, when you've got a player that hauls massively and you want to bring him in, but, you know, you've got a captain that's coming up and you're like, oh, no, I haven't got a Man City captain this week. You can easily get tempted. So, you know, everyone gets caught up in it. It's just to the extent. And I really do try and factor in my planning of, you know, who my captaincy is going to be and try to really have plans. And then wherever possible, be kind of patient, follow them through and not change kind of tune halfway through because it's really easy to just get swayed by players getting points and as we know across one or two game weeks that can just be complete luck and and someone can go and get a 20 point haul and then they don't do anything for 10 weeks so yeah definitely try and try and plan with the the viewpoint that I'm going to try and take a really small number and at the same time at the start of the season that's when I like to take kits. You know, at the start of the season, I'm big on building value. And yeah, I think that's the time where, and, and look, you know, with the whole COVID thing, it probably wasn't last season a good thing necessarily to do, but I still mm-hmm. kind of did it because every year I build value right from the start. And yeah, my, my the way I play will differ very much from the start when there's lots of players playing and price rises are very extreme to later in the season where you have a lot more data and there's less movements in terms of transfers. And you're probably going to you know, feel like jumping on less bandwagon, shall we say, 
when early season, I'm really trying to get on these bandwagons, especially, you know, things can change so much from one season to another. It's, it's really weird in a way because you can have a player who's been good the prior year and then it's a new season and like, okay, managers can change, formations can change, lots of things can change. But even in teams where you wouldn't think there would be much of a change and suddenly that player is not as good. And sometimes it's just purely down to confidence. You know, we saw like, I don't know, I don't know example, Sheffield United, you know, two years ago, got off to a really good start. You wouldn't really have probably gone for them at the start, but they carried on. They had confidence. They carried on. And yeah, other, yeah, a season later, they didn't look anywhere near so good. They didn't start well. They lost their confidence. So, you know, there's lots of things to think about. But yeah, just overall, coming back to the hits thing, it's like definitely try and plan to, you know, wherever possible, I think, is the, is the thing that I've done to, to try and minimise it. But then I appreciate you can really target captaincy and, you know, you might take hits and you can really do well from that. I think if you're trying to do, you know, later on, if you're doing hits second half of the season, then it, I would try and do it when I'm, you know, going to try and get a, a really big benefit from it. So if you have um, a poor captain that game week and you can see a really good option, you know, you really, you know, maybe you've got two premiums and they're playing each other and there's their KDB or someone like that and you could flip to them then much more likely to consider doing that because you can see the benefit that you may get from that move. Um, but yeah, apart from that, try and stay patient is kind of the, the general, the general thing that I do. So I think that's really fascinating, Tom. Um, so from my perspective, I took eight hits last year and minus 32. Um, so I'm also someone who tries to avoid them, but like you, which I hope means I'm on the right track in winning the game one day is I um, I do them early on. So my, my, yeah. my kind of minus fours were game week two, game week three, game week four. It was to bring in the players who were going to rise 0.3 in a week, maybe. So yeah. your Calvert-Lewins, your Bruno Fernandes is um, yeah. because of that peculiar blank game week in the first week last season. Um, but yeah. yeah, I do find that I try to avoid hits. And then the only other times I took them were things like to get a bench boost off, maybe in a double game week or yeah. for a captaincy, as you say. So I, f- I feel glad that at least it sounds like I'm doing something right. Um just going to your captain's point then, so moving on from the hits, and I think you connected it really nicely about it's not that you shouldn't take hits, I guess, it's that you shouldn't take reckless or unnecessary hits. Mm-hmm. So if you already have a premium captaincy option that does have yeah. a good fixture, why then take that hit that week? Why not try and get ahead of the average points that week and gain rank, essentially? Um, yeah. So I guess I'd love to know a little bit more detail about how you approach picking your captain. So, you know, are you looking just at their stats? Are you looking at their fixtures more so? you know what is it that you're kind of doing because i know some people they might have like say six weeks ahead worth of captains mapped out and they will own those players so do you kind of prioritize transfers based on those captaincies sometimes i mean yeah i would hope generally that i've set up my team well enough that you've got you have two or three you know premiums that you can pick from that would be the aim at least two generally and I think there was points last year where I had three. I think it's a bit harder this season to do that, given the price rises that we've seen with Kane, KDB, etc. But I think, yeah, as long as you've got at least kind of you know a couple of choices, you're usually going to be okay. And I would, yeah, like I said, I would usually try and stick to those premiums, unless they've got you know really hard fixtures. Then I think picking you know a premium, even with like I say an average fixture, is better than bit more of a differential with a really easy fixture. I think 
I would stick to the premiums. You, you put so much money into those players, you should really try and use them. And yeah, if you've got two or three of them, that should usually be enough. But if it's not, you know, maybe you need to look at the fixture runs that are going on and think about moving some of them around a little bit. It's hard because obviously often the premiums go up in price quite quickly and then it's hard to necessarily move them around. You know, once you've already kind of got a gain on them, you know, okay, it's easier later in the season. Let's just say at the start of the season, it, I find it quite hard to flick between your different premiums. So Tom, like look at looking at your team data from FPL Optimize. So like shout out the uh, Sir Talp on Twitter. Really I nice. think I th- uh, yeah, he is really good. I really enjoy I really enjoy his posts about like kind of optimization over like a number of weeks and stuff like that. But yeah, I have look, to say I don't I don't even understand what, what his posts mean half the time. But he's yeah, really interesting. Everyone should try and follow the guy. He's really really clever guy. Definitely. Now, on, on your data, now from Sir Talp's uh, site, I think you used seven different captains last season. Um, Salah, 14 times. Fernandes, four times. Son, twice. Kane, six times. De Bruyne, six times. Gundogan, twice. And Bamford, once, which I'm assuming was in a double game week. So, like, yeah. looking at looking at that, there's no real punts. Like, I look back at my own record last year, and I think at one point I punted in Cancelo. You're not doing stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah, probably got tempted. I mean, Cancelo had that little run, didn't he, where he looked, you know, looked like he was going to get something. I mean, I think he was a bit unlucky. He, his stats looked pretty good for, you know, a period of time. And but the problem with Cancelo is always the minutes. And, and that's, yeah, I try to, as you can see here, try to, to pick kind of premiums the most, you know, the majority of the time. And then they're usually players that you really feel pretty likely are going to play the 90 minutes because, Longer on the the longer they're on the pitch, you know, the more points they should get in theory. And uh, I kind of play it as a you know a stats play. Really, I try to to think what's the most likely thing that's going to happen. So yeah, I didn't use many captains, and yeah, kind of quite surprised actually that I had so many on Kane because I didn't think I had him very very long. But yeah, obviously when I did, I captained him a few times at least. I think second half I had him quite a bit, but yeah, it's definitely not the start. Great. So I guess, yeah, this, this kind of fascinated me. One question I had for you was, I, I think I was listening to your show with The Wire last week, and that was a great episode as well. And one of the things you mentioned was you got onto certain players like Gundogan and Lingard late. And I guess mm-hmm. seeing here that you did actually captain Gundogan twice, I guess my, my question was, do you remember if you captained him in that double game week where he got the 19-point haul? And he yeah. kind of, I think he may have maybe missed the second game or something. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I did. Okay, so that was a wow. So, not, so you're saying you got him late, but you captained him when no one else captained him. Yeah. Apart from yeah. Lens, apart from Lens in the chat too. But but, but but I think it was a bit easier then because I think De Bruyne had got injured, hadn't he? So he that had. Was, that, was, that was the thing. So I didn't have him at first because I was like, even though he's kind of getting decent points, you just think, oh, okay, he's maybe getting a bit lucky. He's, you know, it's probably not a, you know, a long-term thing. And then De Bruyne gets injured. And then suddenly you've got an option of like a 5.5 midfielder from City that seems to be guaranteed to get 90 minutes, that seems to be getting in that kind of De Bruyne, you know, top of the diamond area. And and he looks pretty good value. And so, yeah, it seemed a no-brainer to bring him in at that point. And yeah, I kept him a couple of times. And then didn't last too long, did it? Look, I had him eight times. So didn't have him that long. But yeah, that that worked quite well. At that, yeah, at, that, at that point, I think Gundogan was on pens as well. So like, yeah. there, was, there was obviously that appeal for the money was crazy, really. Yeah, but it is, it's hard to, you know, to, some, to sometimes see 
what these players are going to do. You know, Lingard, I definitely did not get on him at the right time. I mean, I literally bought him when his run finished and Rafina got injured. And then I was like, oh, okay, I'll get him. Even though I was like, oh, his expected data isn't so good, but he does look confident. Okay, I may as well just get him. And of course, he stopped scoring. <laughs> I, I missed like you know nine weeks of him smashing it for a hundred points in the second half of the season. It was it was quite crazy, wasn't that? But you can, it was... yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing what confidence can do for players. So you know the, the stats weren't um, yeah, absolutely brilliant, but the guy was just you know I remember that volley he scored from the edge of the box that came to him and he just kind of slammed it in the bottom corner, and then like a few minutes later, like the, the goalie came out and gave him like a tap in an open goal and I just thought, oh, I can't believe this. And I didn't have him and I was, yeah, it was painful. <laughs> I guess on, on that note, like tell us a little bit about your, I guess your eye test process, Tom. So do you like watch every game? Like do you try to watch full matches? Do you just watch match of the day? Like what's your kind of ritual or routine, I guess? Yeah, I definitely don't watch every game. <laughs> I think, you know, I've got a job, I've got a family. It's just how all the content providers watch all the games i i don't know it's it's pretty amazing it's pretty it's pretty um yeah dedicated but i probably watched like a third of the games something like that and yeah it was pretty intense obviously last year with the whole covid thing and you, you literally could watch every game if you wanted to usually it's not as possible so yeah i'd, I'd probably watch you know the, the, in a normal year i'd be watching three yeah two two three four games over the weekend or something and then catching up on the highlights. And even when I'm watching the games, I'm like fiddling about with the team tinkering half the time. So, yeah. Yeah, I think last so, week it was very dragged out. So last season even, it was very dragged out, wasn't it? So mm. it was a roller coaster of kind of, if you were watching your live rank, it was basically just, there was no point. Yeah. It was torture. It was just every was. day there'd be one match at a time, nine days in a row. It was, I, I missed the 3 p.m. six of them at a time. Yeah. Your rank goes up or down, it's done. One 90-minute shebang. Um, I guess, yeah. aside from that, uh, so aside from eye test, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was what kind of approach you have for stats. So is it that maybe once the game week ends, do you dive into the numbers just for an individual game week? Do you look over a longer period, maybe looking back, say, six game weeks? Are there custom tables maybe that you use? I know there's been a lot of conversation on Twitter about which stats do people use to form their decisions. It would be interesting to know how you approach that and essentially what you're looking at in that scenario. Yeah, so you know, a few years ago, didn't really use you know many stats. This season, definitely started to get more into the kind of modelling side of things. Maybe look at FPL review, maybe look at some of the expected data. So it seems like if you use XG and XA, you know, expected goal involvement, that gives you a pretty good kind of you know view on things. And obviously, if you're not watching a lot of the games, then it kind of makes sense. You you can't. You can't take in everything, you know, you can go and listen to pods and listen to people's opinions, but yeah, definitely the stats help. And I, I don't have a, a set routine. I'll, I'll, you know, after the, the game weeks are finished, I'll, I'll probably just have a, a little look at a few tables here and there. And you notice a lot of stuff that gets posted on Twitter, obviously. So yeah, it's a good forum to, to see these things, but yeah. And in the past, I you know, wouldn't use too many, but I might look at certain things. I might look at, Heat maps in particular, quite like. See what position players are getting in if I haven't seen the game. Have a look at penalty box touches, you know, number of shots, things like that. But I think generally XA and XG seem to, to help quite a lot. Obviously, on the attacking players, it's a bit harder on the defensive side of things. You're probably looking more at the, the team stats for those players and then also trying to identify the ones that can get attacking returns as well. But there's, there's normally, you know, 
not too many of those. So, like, whenever you're getting under your stats, you're talking to say about custom tables here. Like, the 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 change of stats you look at depend on player positions, and like, what kind of sample size would you use? Like, obviously, at the start of the season, we don't have much data, mm. but within the season, like, what are you looking at? Are you looking four four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, or would you look overall for a bit of, for a bit of better context? Yeah, I mean, often. Even, you know, four weeks, six weeks, it's probably quite a small sample size, I guess. And so there's a lot of luck involved. So I try to look at, you know, the last season data as a first point. And like you say, it's really hard where at this point in the season, it's like, what can you do? You look at the fixtures for the next season and look at if players have kind of changed their positions and roles, etc. And then you look at the stats that, you know, were there from the prior year. And you try to think, well, is that going to carry on? Is he in a better position now? So hopefully his stats improve, etc. But yeah, it's, it's it, there's no definite thing really. It's it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because definitely, I think if you look, you tr- you know look at a table and you only look at the last four games or something, it doesn't seem much. I think I try to look at at least kind of six games to really get a you know an idea that it probably isn't just complete fluke. But even that, I appreciate that at the end of the day, there's still a large amount of luck that comes into play. Something. Ever, um, sorry, go ahead. One. No, no, you go for it. Go for it. Do you ever get like a gut feel? So say like you're watching match of the air, like this, like in my better seasons, I had this where like I could mm. sit down and watch match of the air, a specific piece of a game, and say I doesn't have a premium player, like ugh, they're not about now, but you're a Guerrero's of the world, but they might do something within a match, and I would just look at the fixture run that would look great, and I think I need, I need, I need to get on these this boy. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess so, but I, I try these days to not not let the gut feel just take over i try to keep it you know at least base my decisions on something so like you say there if there's a good fixture run that makes sense you know if i think okay the player looked confident he looks like he he's kind of getting into form he's going to carry that confidence into these fixtures and they look good then that makes sense there's a there's a reason that you're doing it i I try to not just have like a oh yeah i think he i fancy him for next game you know without any reasoning so yeah definitely try and base things on yeah a lot of the time based on the fixtures i think the fixtures drive a lot you know yeah think about liverpool at the end of last season they've been pretty bad across the year and then they had some good fixtures and you know quite a few of us started getting liverpool players in you captain salah quite a bit and yeah they obviously had something to aim for as well something to target something to motivate them and a lot of their players like trent for example who've been pretty bad started getting you know quite a lot of points so, you know, I do think that the fixtures help a huge amount. And it doesn't matter what, what size club, you know, you, even at the biggest clubs. Obviously, you know, a Chelsea, their defence is probably going to be pretty good all the way across the season. But you'd rather they have good fixtures than bad. You know, as an example, we're looking at the start of this season and I'm thinking, OK, you know, when we come to some few of my drafts later, I haven't got too many Man City or Chelsea players in my thoughts right now just because... One's the expected minutes, which is a problem. And then secondly, their fixtures aren't so good. And okay, they could do well, probably will do well still because they're good teams. But, you know, I'm kind of hoping that you can pick other players that are cheaper, hopefully have a more balanced squad. So, yeah, a few things to think about. But Yeah, no, I think that'll be interesting. I've seen some of those draft teams and we'll wait for those when they come in a moment. But um, they are very exciting. We have some questions for you on those. Um, cool. Something I wanted to ask you about is... Um, I find this as somebody who listens to maybe anywhere from say six to 12 different pods potentially mm. in any given week. Um, 
how do you kind of, I guess, stay true to your style of play? And how do you kind of make sure that you're, you're not kind of getting lost on bandwagons, which seem to gain momentum during the week? Um, you know, do you avoid the hype? And if so, is it because you have a set of kind of most trusted content sources? Because there's just an insane volume, right, of information mm. in the community. And I don't know how you found it, but my year of being on Twitter, there's just information overload, I feel. Uh, how, how do you kind of deal with that? And how do you move yourself from that noise? Yeah, I mean, firstly, there's a load of good pods, like you say, and it, yeah, there's far too many to even consider watching. Usually in a week, I'll probably watch two or three um, and, you know, host of good ones. But yeah, and then on Twitter, Twitter's really easy to just get bogged down in stuff. You, you, there's so many tweets, so many threads and so much, so many different stats and people can have a bias towards certain things that they're trying to show. So, yeah, it, it's, it's easy to get quite addictive and really, you know, spend too long going through your Twitter feed rather than maybe having to think <laughs> on your team and actually having a look at the stats occasionally. But yeah, I try to be balanced with it all. And, you know, I try to make sure that I listen to people that I think are good and that seem to, you know, at least some of them play the, the same way that I do. And yeah, at the end of the day, remember your kind of, your core items that you've got from, you know, years of playing the game, your, your core thoughts really of, uh, yeah, you know, all, all these different things that I said before, just try to still remain focused on those things even if there's a lot going on and as you say there's always there's always going to be bandwagons it doesn't matter who because someone's going to get lucky and get hauls every week so it's knowing which ones to, to go for but yeah I, I really do think that it's the biggest thing in this game is one to stay patient and two to never give up because staying patient means you take less hits you'll stick to the plans that you've made and then never giving up because we all going to have bad seasons, you know, bad game weeks over the season and, you know, and bad seasons as well normally, but you know, you just got to stay positive and usually you can pull it around. So that's kind of what I try and do as well. Well, you say, you say we're all going to have bad seasons, but I don't think that's necessarily true for you. Maybe. Wait, let me, let me put it back up again, guys. One second for any new joiners. <laughs> it was the first time ever we've had 50 live concurrently. So smash that like button for Tom while you're here, please. Okay, I've got it back, guys. So, yeah, I don't think you're going to have a bad season, but maybe we're putting a lot of pressure on you. Yeah, I, I, I think one's around the corner anyway. <laughs> it's, see, true, in it's true. See, in terms of your targets, you know, whenever you go on to the season, because obviously I'm on Twitter and he writes for the hub, Abdul, FPL Salah. Last yeah. season, Abdul must out in 5K and he was, like, he wasn't happy. And I kind of, I was amazed because I thought, like, this is an incredible kind of standard that you set for yourself. So, like, I think we see in the community, people are talking about, ah, 50K is the new 10K and all this kind of stuff. Mm. Are you looking at 10K or are you looking at five? or what, like, what, like, what's your target? I'm, the goalpost move, let's be frank. It depends where you are. And definitely at the start of the season, I would take 10K. Top 10K, you know, get another one of those. Keep me in the mix. Keep me hopefully, in a, you know, re reasonably you know, near the top of the Hall of Fame. That's that's the, the target, I guess. But, uh, yeah, once you're there, then things change, don't you? So in the last season, I was, you know, firstly got into the top 10K. Then you're in this top 5K. Then you're like, oh, yeah, one side of you is just like, can I stay here? And then you start to creep up. You're like, okay, top 1,000, I can get there. 
and so all the time the you know the targets change you get more ambitious as you you know climb up but yeah definitely I mean, after three game weeks i was in 3.5 million so the target then was just to not embarrass myself it's like <laughs> i'm just like can i get in the top 100k again you know it's like and then later in the season when things have improved then the targets change but yeah start of the season always i think you're gonna be happy with a top 10k sure I, I have a special question from Mariner who's not with us today, um, but I'm going to put him under the bus because I don't want me to get the evil eyes from you when I mention this. But um, he noticed, not me, he noticed that if there was ever such a thing as a bad season, you had a pretty horrendous one in 2017-18. Um, I guess we were wondering what happened, Tom? Like, was the baby born? Did you move house? Um, I've heard that line on many pods over the years. Um, what happened in 2017? You came 29K, which by your standards is like, I guess one million by some of our standards. Yeah, I I have no idea. I've probably put it to the back of my head, but yeah, I mean it's not so bad, is it? But yeah, there's there's I think there's quite a lot of luck that comes into play between getting a thirty k finish and getting a ten k finish. So I, I don't get too distraught at that, but uh, yeah, just try and aim for the top ten k's really, and then if you finish just outside, as you can see, I finished just outside a few times, especially early on definitely focus you know being near the top of the hall of fame and some of these other sites i suddenly started to focus a bit more and you really try and push right to the end of the season and that that definitely has helped but um yeah always settle for a top 10k i i love how you say you'll settle for a top 10k so it's not that you're necessarily happy with it but you'll accept it which which is insane because i would settle for a top 100k every season so the levels there it's very clear the difference <laughs> Yeah, you, you still need you need a lot of luck. You know, I'm sure I've just got pretty lucky. Definitely those last few seasons. No, I think today puts the skill versus luck debate of many pre-seasons uh, tucked away nicely because I think today probably shows that if you have a consistent process that you can at least land in a certain rank range every time. And I think you've, you've definitely demonstrated that. So although you're quite humble and say there's a lot of fortune here, um, what in life doesn't have some chance or luck involved, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's not like this is the only walk of life where there's <laughs> luck involved. Um, I know um, something that, again, you were kind of mentioning earlier, I'd love to know a little bit about is, I want to know more about your process once the game updates after the first game week of the season and once the deadline is done. So, you know, there's obviously that kind of one hour where you can't get to the site. When it opens, yeah. um, I, I do a bus team. Hibbo actually religiously refuses to even use the term, let alone set a bus team. Um so what's your process kind of game week to game week? Um, you know, you've already talked about how you watch games and which stats you look at, but, you know, do you go early for price changes? Do you wait till late for as much info as possible? I guess, yeah, well, what are your rituals? Yeah, I, I definitely set the team straight away. I think that's the, the normal process. I'm like, oh, yeah, what happens if something, something happens here, something bad, then at least I've got my team ready and my captain picked and... And, and equally, I think it kind of focuses, you know, your thoughts then for the for all the games that are about to happen, where you're thinking, okay, that's the team I've set for next week. So is there a problem with that? Do I need to think about my captain? You know, straight away, you're like, that's the captain I've now picked. Do I need to do something here? Can I watch some of these players? I mean, you're going to watch them anyway, but in particular, you might focus on your captaincy pick and things like that. So I think that that definitely helps. Just, you know, immediately setting your team. So... Yeah, that's definitely how I'd address things. And then as I go through the, you know, the game week, I'll, I'll be fiddling around loads with my with my team, 
trying to plan little things and goals go in and you change your mind and it's hard to just make yourself not do anything silly isn't it at the time at the time of the games and yeah generally i'd say my kind of view on it is try to get as much information as possible it's fine playing around with the thing but wherever possible especially if there's more games in midweek try to get through those games and if you can make it to the press conferences at the end of the week then you've done really well um but early in the season that's not always possible like you said nima start of the season the price rises really extreme you know you can see players literally they, they go and get a brace they've got 0.3 in that week if you decide you need that player you've got to act and if you don't you're suddenly by game week 10 or something you'll be two million behind what other people have got so it's it's a difficult thing of knowing what to do so i definitely monitor the price rises and literally first few weeks of the you know the season it's the hardest time but it's also kind of the most exciting time because you've got all these price rises every night you've got to make a decision on which players are you interested in which are close to going up which are close to going down the decisions that you're going to make to try to add value and avoid losing value all over the place and i kind of like it it's kind of a bit nerve-wracking but it's kind of exciting as well and you definitely make a lot more decisions then than later in the season so yeah that's the time where i may move early on players i may take a hit for players because i'm trying to chase those rises or avoid those drops and there's certain things that you know i've suddenly decided that i've got enough data now i don't think it's pure luck i think i need this player or i need this group of players and you know you're going to have to act and if you don't act now they're going to be a million away literally in like two weeks or something they're going to be a million away and you, you know you're not going to be able to get anywhere near that team so that always comes into how i play you know at the start of the season first few game weeks loads of uncertainty however well we plan now and we think oh my team looks br- you know brilliant looks great <laughs> never works out like that by game week three at least half the team will look shocking and you'll be like okay i even need to wild card take hits make transfers it, it just always works like that and you know we can talk about some things that we could do to try to minimize that a little bit later on but you know that always happens to me anyway. And so, yeah, start of the season, I'm just trying to think about the players that I think are going to be essential or I need for long-term and, yeah, what I can do basically to get on these guys. And it's really hard to avoid, you know, you have to almost decide which ones are just a short-term bandwagon and are driven by luck and which ones you think are those longer-term ones that you really need and pick the right ones and pick the right ones quickly sometimes. So, yeah that's kind of how i think about things at the start of the season later on in the season very different you know you you have a lot more data you have a lot more knowledge of the players involved fixtures i think drive things a lot more in the second half of the season and how you play your chips and things like that so there's probably other things to think about but yeah less so in terms of building value so yeah early season that's what my focus will be across the week is really what i'm going to do about certain players and whether I can hold out to get past the midweek game or whether I can hold out to get to like the, the press conferences on a Friday. And it's, nice, um, um, yeah, it's difficult sometimes, isn't it? 
Hey, bro, just, just want to add something um, before we move off this exact topic, because actually this is very much in line with kind of my weekly article for Fantasy Football Hub. So I write about kind of the transfer trends and I analyze what's happening. And you are very right. I think in those first weeks, you see the most active player base. So there might be, you know, 8 million players playing, but the reality is there's maybe only 4 million of them left by the second half. So the price changes yeah. uh, price changes are especially volatile. Um there's more casuals playing, people who may later quit. They see someone scored a brace, as you say, and they will rise 0.3. So it is an exciting time. I agree with you. And it's my favorite time of the season because it's like Christmas. Um, every night I'm there just like staring at the prices, proving what stats nerds we really are here. But, um, yeah. you know, I guess the other thing is I agree with the waiting for as much info as possible. So a couple of seasons back, I brought in Ibrahimovic for a double game week to captain him. And then he got his ACL injury Um in a Champions League game and I took a minus four to sell him again. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, sometimes later in the season, you need to maybe just hold your nerve a bit. Um, but early on when the Champions League hasn't even begun yet and, mm-hmm. you know, those prices are that volatile, you yeah. should do it. And then the other thing I'd say is there's three points where we see the most people drop off from the game and the transfers significantly go down. So it's kind of just before game week four, game week eight and game week 12. And that coincides with the free international break. So yeah. I found historically, if someone has a bad game week three, they just won't come back after the two-week break and they'll never log in again. So, And that happens yeah. with every week just before international break. Um, so I think if there's one big takeaway for me from you here is that historically I was a bit worried that maybe I was being too aggressive in those first 10 weeks or so. But actually, if there's a time to take hits, it's probably then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I can't stop myself doing it. You know, even with the COVID impact, Probably behavior should have changed a little bit, but I still took hits at the start of the season. It's just kind of so ingrained that that's the process you you use. And yeah, maybe middle of the season was a bit better, but yeah, I definitely I still had game weeks where I got out like eight players. So you know, some of these things you, you sometimes pay a penalty for it, but it's a hard thing to change the way that you play. So I'm I'm interested in all like in terms of like your chips and your wild cards. What route did you take last year and did you consider them to be successful? Because you're saying that you started particularly badly. You were about three and a half million. Yeah. You did, you did well in captaincy. You reduced the hats. I'm interested to know where the wildcards and the chips went. Yeah, I think I'd say pretty poorly overall. So I guess the, the thing that I did well was the early wild cards. Game week three had a bad team, had Deli Alley in there. He looked good at the end of the prior season, then wasn't played. Uh, Havertz, Werner, all the all the usual suspects that quite a lot of us got onto, and uh, yeah, just decided pretty early on that I'd got a bad team and a handful of players that I decided were kind of long term holds, such as DCL, such as Bruno Fernandez. Didn't have these players in my team. Martinez, another one, and I just felt that. I had to act straight away. Otherwise, some of these players were going to just be too far away from me. So use the early wild card, game week three. And that really helped helped me push on pretty quickly. So pretty much from there, it was a pretty sharp fall. So every week I was dropping, you know, a few hundred thousand places from the 3.5 million that I was at. So that was definitely a success in kind of acting quickly wasn't so good that I didn't have that to play when it came to the international break, which I think was probably the, you know the idea at the you know at the start of the season but sometimes you just have to to deal with things as they come up in terms of the other chips i got uh 
eight points on the triple captain, which was Kane. I think a lot of us probably got similar amount of points. wasn't brilliant, but it was a pr- fairly average, I would say. I, in terms of the free hit, used it in error in game week 18 when there was obviously a lot of COVID impacts. It was all a bit of a model. In hindsight, probably gave me like 15 points then when in game week 29, when Trossars smashed it, I think there were people with like 80 points and I probably had like just under 40. So I kind of feel that I didn't do too well with how I used the free hit. And equally, some people used it right at the end of the season. And I think that was probably better than where I did anyway. And then with my bench boost, that was a bit of a disaster. I kind of lined it up to have some some doubles, I think in 19. Then the Leeds game got called off. So I had a team with, I think, three leads and holding on my bench. Ended up deciding to play it anyway, just because I was like, I can't, I'll kind of set it up now. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd like to get it out of the way, you know, yeah. you know, I'd not just hold the thing for weeks and weeks for another opportunity. So I played it. Leeds obviously conceded. My goalkeeper got COVID at the start of the, uh, before the game and didn't play. <laughs> and I think Rob Holding was my saviour. I mean, I think I got like nine points or something, but it's only because of Holding. So yeah, overall, not, not brilliant. So really, the first wild card was was good, I'd say. Second wild card was probably about the same as everyone else, and the triple captain about the same as everyone else. And then in terms of the free hit and the bench boost, pretty bad. So I, I kind of rate it a three or four out of ten, to be honest. Well, so I guess I guess that's really interesting. Do you feel that there's an overemphasis then, perhaps, in the community anyway, around the importance of chips? Because I guess as you've just kind of shared with us very kindly, you had a slow start. You were three point five million. The chips weren't exactly that successful, and yet you still finished outside the top one K. Just and obviously that's a lot better than anyone else here. So, do you feel that there is maybe an overemphasis on their importance, or did you just happen to make all the other decisions right last season? Yeah, there possibly is, but I still think it's it's just a component of the of the season, isn't it? So even if it's worth two or three percent, the game is about you know marginal gains over the whole season and trying to just take the advantages that you can. And for me, I always like the chip usage. I almost wish there was more. It's it's a time where normally, usually in most seasons, I do quite well out of playing my chips. Didn't I? Don't think I did particularly well last season, but. Yeah, generally, I think it's a it's an opportunity. You know, it should always be seen as a as a possibility to move up if you get things right. It was just made far more complex with the whole COVID thing. You know, the amount of double game weeks that we had was just a bit of a nightmare. So this year, if I if I'm correct on this, I don't think there's an international break. I think I think it's when all the teams have internationals anyway, so they get like a two week break and i think it's when the african nations cups on and a few other things i think there's the the games in south america as well so some players will be away from some clubs but i think a lot of players won't they'll naturally have that two-week break with an international break anyway so i'm kind of kind of happy about that in a way i can't mess up my uh, free hit this time do you like the chips that we have now? So I remember there was the all-out attack and I used it one season and my eighth attacker didn't play. So I ended up playing like a normal 3-4-3 three, three anyway. Um, I hated yeah. that chip, I'm not going to lie. But um, well, how do you yeah. feel about the current chips? Because uh, there was the limitless chip, wasn't there? And the Euros fancy over the summer. Yeah, where yeah. That was pretty exciting. And I would have loved to see something good. like that. Yeah, that was quite good. I, like, I think I'm quite happy with the chips we've got. But yeah, you're right. The limitless chip was quite fun, wasn't it? I, yeah, I I for sure. It. I did play the game, and I don't think I used it in the right one. But still, it was it was it was good to you know 
fiddle around with your team, be able to pick anyone. It, it was kind of a nice thing. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind if that came in. That would be something else to plan for. But, uh, yeah, chips generally, I, I, I like them. I'd, I wouldn't mind a couple more. It's, um, yeah, I think it's something that the, the, the players that play, you know, fairly seriously and want to do well, I think you can get ahead of all the casual players from from those mm. chips. So it's, a, it's an opportunity, I think, if you're really involved in the game. So in terms of chips, do you see that the chips is always to be used around double game weeks, obviously? Not absolutely, but generally, if you look at the likelihood of, you know, what players are going to do and the points that you can gain, it just kind of works out like that. So, you know, obviously your free hit is normally best for a blank game week. And... Yeah, if if possible, in prior years, I'd always try to match up your bench boost with a wild card. That always seemed to make mm. sense. I think your, your triple captain, again, should probably be a double, you know, but you're probably going to have a lot more choice. There's normally at least a few sets of game weeks where, you know, teams have doubles. Just sometimes it might only be a few teams or one team, you know, one one set of games. So, you know, you might only have two teams to pick from. So, but yeah, you can normally have a greater choice with your wild card and your bench boost. You normally need a pretty good selection to, you know, you want to be able to fill your team with, you know, some weaker, some, some cheaper players, shall we say, and then some big hitters. So yeah, I think you need to wait for the, the big game week. That's normally, you know, kind of what game week 34, 37, somewhere around there. Read Ben Krillin's spreadsheets, work out which one, <laughs> what, what tactic you're going to use. So Yeah. That's, yeah, that's big shout out season. to Ben Krillin, right? Um, oh, on on yeah. that note, like, there's probably not a bigger legend in the community. Yeah, everyone uses his uh, his spreadsheets and his uh, his viewpoints. And look, sometimes there'll be two or three ways you can go, and it depends on your team. It depends on lots of things. That there may be just you make a call that you you go a certain way rather than another way, and you know it might not always be the same as everyone else. But yeah, generally there's a there's there's, there's only a couple of options, two or three options when. The season just gone. Let's be honest, we we didn't have a clue what was coming. So you were like, okay, so we've got you know doubles blanks. Do I use it now? Who knows what's going to happen? You know, in five game weeks, never mind at the end of the season. So it's a really hard one to assess, wasn't it? You know, I think it's funny you say that. So I, I actually think that my my little hunch is that the official Premier League themselves they would go to board meetings and pull up Ben's spreadsheet and say. Yeah. Guys, so we have no fucking idea what we're doing. Should we copy this guy? He knows what he's doing. He knows what to do. And I genuinely believe they just copied him and ripped him off the entire season. Um, I have yeah. zero doubt about that. I promise you. That's my hunch. Yeah, he should be getting royalties, let's be honest. So, yeah. Yeah. I know they stole his idea and took credit for it. Yeah. As the football world has many hands and many pies. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess mo- moving on then, um, I know Hibbo, aside from chips, I know y- you were quite keen to find out a little bit about Tom's thoughts on ownership, weren't you? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of conscious of like, how, how conscious of, are you of like player ownership and say like effective ownership whenever you're looking at your captaincy? Are you looking at somebody as like a baggy old player as being a risk to your rank? And would you, would you side with them just to kind of protect your rank? Or what's the process there? Yeah, so I, I try not to do that. But we all know what the ownership's going to be on players. We, we, you know, I mean, we all use live FPL, and you know, you, you, as soon as you log in, you'll be like, okay, he's two hundred percent great. Um, hope you captained him. But yeah, before the before the game, I, you know, before the game week starts, I, I try to 
not let that be a focus. I'll try to pick the best player for my captaincy, as an example, and 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 concentrate on the players that I think are going to get me the most points. But it's 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 hard because you know you see it everywhere on Twitter, etc. So I'm sure we all get influenced by it, even if we think we're we're not. So that's the reality. But yeah, wherever possible, I, I, I'll try to not just go, okay, I'm doing this because of this reason, which is basically just to, I'm scared of this player. I'll try and pick the player that I think is going to get the most points. And if that's right or wrong, then at least you've you've made a call yourself on it and can yeah feel happy with that. But yeah, it's a difficult thing. You know, you, you know if the premium's got easy games, you, you know that everyone's going for that. But as you can see from my captaincy history you know that i'll pick the premiums so generally i don't like worry too much about these differentials so i think we had we, we had an example last season that might have been game week 22 because i remember writing about it where sal had brighton mm. and he came off the back of the west ham fixture so there was a certain amount of can i suppose recency bias where people were looking at brighton despite the fact that they have been good defensively and bruno absolutely hold i think it was 17 points against southampton were you which which side were you on there? Oh, I can't even remember. Honestly, <laughs> I don't know who I picked. Don't know. Can't remember. Too far back. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess some something that Gabe has asked in the chat as well. So in the live chat, I think his question was: What percentage of your chips do you realistically expect to work out? So, like, I know you said it was a bit difficult last season, but in general, in prior seasons, like, is there, like, a minimum amount of points you would expect from each chip? So, like, for me, bench boost, I, I would consider, what is it, like, four players playing two points times two games, so eight points. I consider 16 points, like, the minimum I would want just from them playing, right? So, yeah. anything below 16 points, and I consider my bench boost a failure. So, what are your kind of benchmarks for each chip, and what percentage of them do you actually expect to work out? Oh, I'd probably do something similar. I think the free hit's really hard to know. It just seems that you play it when it seems most appropriate with the blanks, when there's a whole load of them. So that, you know, I don't really think of how much I'm going to gain from playing it, really. But yeah, definitely things like triple captain. I think I'd normally hope that I get like 10 points from that. That'd be the kind of standard bench boost. Like you say, something similar to what you're saying. I think it, you'd feel you've done pretty well if you get more than 20 points. Like you feel pretty happy with the situation. And if you're getting like 30 points or anything, you've smashed it. So, yeah, last season getting like nine points or whatever is pretty poor. I think if you're getting like below 10, you're going to be a bit disappointed, aren't you, really? I enjoyed my six-point bench boost with three Leeds players and McCarthy who didn't play the game, yeah. <laughs> you did the same as me? I was on the exact same train oh, and then the man. game got cancelled, that Leeds double, and then yeah. they did well when no one expected them to, and then they did crap again when people wanted yeah. like, Leeds last year was just a real rollercoaster. What my takeaway yeah. was if you are gonna back a double game week heavily, don't um rely on one team only out of twenty teams for your yeah. entire chip success. Yeah. That was my big takeaway. I put my entire team success in on that chip on one team. And if they don't turn up that day, one nil they lost, you're done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that, that was painful a, for me. It's a good take, and yeah. Okay, well, I wasn't alone. That makes me feel better. <laughs> no, no, I think there was a lot of us. Um, yeah. that, that is definitely for sure. Was it Shrewsbury? They really screwed us up, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They couldn't <laughs> not go to parties when they were meant to be locked down, and it led yeah. to the 
cup game being cancelled and all the hoo-ha. Yeah. Um, something I wanted to ask you is, do you do anything to eliminate risk in your kind of game week one team? So do you have any hard rules like avoiding players from, you know, promoted teams or any new foreign imports? Because um, obviously this year there's a lot of drafts I'm seeing with the likes of Buendia, Tony, Saar, mm. who all kind of fall into that category. What's your view on that? Yeah, so I haven't been very good at this in the past. I mean, you can tell. I said I made a wild card because I was getting out Havertz and Werner and goodness knows who. So I had Vinagre as well last season alongside Havertz and Werner, yeah. I think I avoided him, but I think I probably had some other dodgy 4.5. So, yeah, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because there's so little to go on with these players. So, yeah, and especially if they've done well in other leagues, especially good leagues like the Bundesliga, then you, you're like, oh, surely he's going to do okay here. But you just don't know. So, yeah, definitely in the past, I haven't been particularly great with that. But I'm trying to not do that this season. So wherever possible, I'm thinking that if you maybe take one or two of the either unknowns or championship players, then I think that's kind of okay. If you're taking four or five, then there might be a bit more of a problem. And I'm definitely going to try and avoid that. That's kind of my thinking. Whether it actually works right to the deadline, I don't know. But I'll I'll try and do that. So yeah, if you if you end up with like Buendia, Saar, Tony, you know, the Watford goalie and someone else for a four point zero that doesn't play, then pff, who knows what's gonna happen. But yeah, I'm gonna try and avoid that. And and also I'd think- say the, the other thing I could say is that I think it's useful to think about trying to leave a little bit of money in the bank something again that i'm usually highly unsuccessful with i have this great idea and by the time you get to the deadline you've just got attracted by all these other possibilities that you make your team look good right now the reality is the team that we start with half of it game week three will be shocking and so the usual thing is if you can keep like half a million a million in the bank that is going to be so useful to move players around and not sometimes have mean that you, you you might avoid taking hits and you don't have to like book in two moves to do some of the transfers that you would want to do. So I definitely think that that's a good idea, but as I say, really hard to actually, actually do at the end of the day. Where, where do you sit on say rotation players? So like we're looking at say defenders from Manchester and Chelsea. They're obviously very good in defense their players have had a price hike this season, but like you're talking about, say Cancelo, Chilwell, Reese James, yeah, they're they're all they're all have that threat of rotation. So where do you stand? I try to generally avoid those players, which is really difficult because obviously they're in the better clubs and they look really good when they play, but it's just so painful when they don't. You know, especially if it's an expensive player like this season, like a Mares or something, he's nine million. Do you want to be waiting for the team sheet to see if your nine million player is actually going to start the game? <laughs> it's, it's just I can't deal with it. You know, I'd, I'd rather just go for someone who's set. You know, even if at least someone like a Son or something, you know, he's going to play. Uh, but yeah, you know, the benefit of some of these Leeds players, you know, you know that they're like highly likely to play. It's just, yeah, it's really painful. And and it's not just Man City now, is it? You know, you see it much more with Chelsea than you used to. You see it maybe with Liverpool, with Jota. You know, a lot of the leading clubs have this kind of rotation and it's it's really difficult. So it definitely makes me be somewhat put off. And I'm not going to say I don't have their players. Like last season, 
when the fixtures got good for City, I, I got in, you know, at least like Diaz and De Bruyne, and at some point Cancelo, and yeah, did pretty well. And obviously Diaz looks like he's the one that most of the games he's going to play, and he's going to play ninety minutes. And so, yeah, he's 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 kind of a set and forget. But this season he's had a price rise. He's six million. He got one hundred and forty-two points last year. Is he going to repeat that? Probably, but is that enough for six million? Don't know. There's other options, I think, when you when you look at that kind of amount. Yeah, you're almost hoping that someone at six million is gonna outperform and get you 160, 170 points. So, you know, when you get to like the seven millions, you're into kind of Robertson territory where he, you know, generally gets about 180. So it it it's difficult. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, a bit of a nightmare with City. Really, really difficult. I mean, I think if De Bruyne is is fit and they've got good fixtures. I think he's kind of the obvious one because he plays most of the games and he's, he's so good when he plays, he's got such kind of high expected goal involvement. You know, you kind of almost accept the odd benching from him, probably come on. He could still get, you know, do some damage in half an hour. He's, he's that good, but yeah, it's, it's really difficult. You know, you Foden's, he's 8 million, Mara's nine, Torres seven. You just don't know which ones are going to play, do you? It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of money, isn't it? Last year, I remember oh. I thought Greenwood and Foden could be fantastic bargains when we saw the price reviews. But again, it was yeah. the issue of them actually playing or when to get on them. Um, just moving away from FPL for a second, um, I want to call out um, Hibbo, who's being insulted in the chat for having no <laughs> plants in the background. So we have a uh, Amund here who is father to many plants on Twitter, and thank you for shouting out me and Tom and saying that we've both got it covered. Um, we're really happy about you noticing our plants. Come, Thank you. Come on, Hibo. Oh. I think I'm going to have to get a green screen. <laughs> <laughs> They've asked for a budget for you to paint the wall. Um, people are trying to ask Mariner to paint it for you. Um, Amund wants a plant, um, but we're Robin Hoods, right? So maybe we'll just steal one from somewhere. My wife's going to be highly offended by that. <laughs> well, uh-huh. well, some people think that you're being held hostage. So, I hope it's not your wife holding you hostage, but it looks like you're in a room somewhere with a gun pointed at you right now. According to the chat, this is not me. I need to go under this chat. You, yeah, they're, they're saying you're being held ransom. Um, they want you to blink three times if you're in danger, mate. Um, but um, going back to FPL, because I'm just conscious of time, I'm going to go through your drafts, which you've kindly prepared for us. And before we do that, I'm going to give us a 20-second breather and just talk a little bit about strategic partnership we have. However, what I will say is there's a lot of nice questions coming up too. So we'll come to those at the Q&A at the end and I'll bring them up on screen in case anyone thinks I'm ignoring their questions. We're not. They will come back later. Um, there is a caveat though. Like my 50 likes Pikachu onesie forfeit, we're not going to give you the opportunity of hearing Tom's answers to your draft teams or the Q&A if you don't get us to at least 60 likes. Um, so, you know, go to my pin tweet FPL Nima and share the fact that we're live. Get the word out there and get us to the likes target because I'm sorry. Otherwise, I'm just going to take Tom backstage and ask him for tips on my own team instead, guys. Um, I know it's cheeky, but end of the day, we need your support. So do what you can. Um, So we're going to take us away for 30 seconds and get a little breather. And then we'll come back in with the drafts from there, guys. Are you craving more FPL content? Then look no further than allaboutfpl.com. Head over there for weekly articles from some of the top content creators on the planet. So what are you waiting for? Head over to allaboutfpl.com, the website for all your FPL needs. Great. So um, 
we've got the first draft up now, and I guess we want to dive into a couple of the ones that Tom pinged across to us and talk about the players that you want kind of to be focusing on in the early part of the season. Um, I guess one question I had is when you're setting up this opening team, are you looking to attack like a block of fixtures at the start or are you just kind of looking at the first and second game week or is there like a, kind of, do you have an early wildcard in mind or are you generally trying to avoid that? Definitely trying to avoid that. I mean, yeah, if it happens, it happens, but don't really want to just straight away plan for that. So yeah, definitely looking at the fixtures. Liverpool obviously have a good fixture run. Everton's fixtures look good. Villa's are good for the first three. Man U's look decent. So yeah, trying to trying to really think about that. So I guess that's why I've got triple Liverpool, a couple of Man U players, a couple of Villa players. So yeah, that's kind of yeah, definitely how I'm approaching things. And I think with the Liverpool players, obviously Trent is a pretty much pretty much a shoe in. I think Salah is a shoe in as well, given that they played Norwich on the first game. It's obviously going to be captain for almost everyone. Uh, I think the other spot is a little bit more up in the air. I've gone for Robertson in this draft. It's just me tinkering. This could easily change. And I'll be interested to know what happens with Firmino. If he comes back a little late, maybe, then maybe Jota's secure for the first few games. And he seems pretty decent then at 7.5 or so. But yeah, the thing you get with Robertson, obviously, is you know he plays. You know he's going to get the minutes. So you know that on average, Robertson probably gets about 180 to 200 points on the season, which in terms of value is is really good. And he's, he's going to outscore the vast majority of forwards in that price range. And same with the midfielders. So, you know, in that respect, this is, you know, this team is kind of built around that double Liverpool defence with then some other, you know, I think fairly settled players. The one real punt being Wendia. So I haven't, you know, as I kind of said, haven't gone for too many championship players here. Haven't gone for a Tony in here. Just kept it quite simple. And yeah, the the, the aim really, I, I guess my thoughts on, you know, this this draft team is it's pretty stable. It's pretty maybe not that exciting, but you kind of know what you get with it. And, I'm on, uh, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. I'm interested to know, from this team, how do you get to say Hurricane? I guess, Hibbo, just quickly, um, for the podcast listeners who can't see the graphic, um, it might be nice, Tom, if you if you don't mind, just quickly reading out the team you have in front. So just maybe starting from the goalkeeper and then, and I'm sorry, and then back to Hibbo from there. Yeah, of course. Got Sanchez in goal. Got Trent, Robertson, Shaw and Luca Dean at the back. Midfield, Rafina, Fernandez, Salah and Brendia, And up front, Antonio and Watkins. My bench, well, I've just lobbed in Foster for now. Uh, White, obviously he's going to Arsenal. Uh, Brownhill, who's uh, hopefully a typical two-pointer and just plays. And then the legend, Davis, who... Uh, <laughs> who is a bit of a problem. So, there's, you know, there's a few issues with this team. Looks very stable. You kind of know what you get with Robertson. The problem is, if you want to come away from Robertson, let's say after the Liverpool run, there aren't many players at the seven mark, any players at all. Obviously, you can downgrade. You could go for a Chilwell. You could go for some of these other players, Diaz, etc., Cancelo. So there are other options, but it's there's not one at, at seven million. Equally, you, your bench is a little bit dodgy with Davis as the third pick. You, you kind of know that he's not really going to play many minutes. And I would say the other consideration here is 
you're thinking about price points, it doesn't have that midfielder at the kind of seven to ten million mark. So obviously you've got quite a lot of uncertain players there. You've got, you know, Havertz, Jota, players like that, where you don't quite know what the minutes are going to be. You know they're good players, you know they play for good teams. If they end up getting more minutes than you thought, then it could be quite difficult to get to those sorts of players. Equally, you know, if you had someone in that seven to ten range, you can get even all the way up to Sancho and Son and players like that. I guess if you wanted a player like that with this team, you'd either have to downgrade your defence or you'd have to lose one of Salah or Bruno, which is then difficult because they're really your captaincy picks. So, you know, there's a few things to think about and it's just a, just me tinkering around really, but it, it looks a solid team. It's just there's definitely some considerations. So, Hibber, your question was about Kane, I guess, wasn't it? Yeah, no, I'm just kind of interested to know with this team of... We're looking at Harry Kane and we're thinking, is he potentially going to go to Man City? How would you get the Kane if that was the case that he made the move? Or yeah, so I mean, I've got I've got a Kane draft to to show, I think. But yeah, with this team, basically, you're going to have to downgrade either Salah or Bruno. No, one of you. It's got to be Salah or, or or Bruno. Really, none of the others are going to get you to Kane. I don't think. So not unless you decimate your team. I think it's hard to have the three premiums this year, given the price rises we've seen. Kane's two million more. He was ten and a half last year at the start. I know he went up loads, but it's two million more straight away. De Bruyne, surprisingly, has gone up 0.5. Bruno's seen a big price rise. It's a lot harder, I think, this year to have the three premiums. So I I think, yeah, I think if you and no, if you, if Kane goes to City, then surely Kane's an almost between if you had Salah and Kane, then then do you need any other captain choice? I don't, probably not. I'd hope not. What if Haaland goes to Chelsea? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> How much do you I think he would cost, I guess, as well? <laughs> well, I've, yeah. seen people, I've seen people quoting this kind of ridiculous stuff for Haaland. They were saying, if he goes to Chelsea, it'd be like 10 and a half million. I was like, what? What are you talking about? Even maybe Werner he, wasn't may, that, right? May, maybe he would, but Jesus, Haaland would be amazing. Like, but Yeah. I don't want to get sidetracked. And, it, and it's, Chelsea are a defensive team. I mean, would you? I mean, obviously he's great, but would you? If Chelsea don't score that many goals, would you want him? I mean, maybe at Chelsea he'd be the main man and he'd get all the bonus. And he'd, but how much would he be? You know, it all depends on how much he costs, doesn't it? Yeah. But yeah, I, I still think they're unlikely to bring a player like that in under a you know a fairly similar amount to a Kane or a Bruno or a Salah. He's going to be surely like twelve million or something. So I think you've got the same choices, really. It's pretty hard to... I've seen people with drafts where they have the three. Looks okay, but generally, you know, it's kind of like their the, the depth isn't so good. And I mm-hmm. think if you can... If you're only going to need two players for captaincy, then the rest is just is value. And I don't think you get the value from having loads of premiums anyway, and especially not if they're really expensive. No, I tend to agree. Do you want to just flick on to the next slide there? Um, name a new and we'll look at that. Yeah, we can look at the next draft. Yeah, let's do that. So this yeah. one's Sancho, obviously. So this is Bruno. I think uh, Bruno started that trend last year, Bruno. You seem to have KDB on there for the Game Week 2 captain, I'm imagining. And here you kind of step down to just the one premium and Shaw. Yeah, or sorry, Trent, sorry. Yeah. Defenders. 
Yeah, so I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't class the defenders as premium anyway. I know what you mean, but I, I, I kind of, they're, they're not players that I would ever captain. So I, I, they're expensive, but I don't kind of regard them as as the premiums. But yeah, here I've, I've dropped Robbo. Obviously, the upgrade. Basically, what I've done here is just downgrade the defense a little bit and create that that seven to ten million price point for Sancho. So this team, I don't think I had anything in the bank, but you can see how mm. I could possibly drop someone somewhere, you know, maybe Sufal or something could drop and you could have the 0.5 that would get you to a son. But yeah, you still got, you got Salah and De, uh, De Bruyne to pick from. Still got, a, a, you know, a very competent forward line. I think it's kind of okay, but again, just playing around really. If, if you wanted Sancho, what you'd have to do, I think you could still have two premiums and have Sancho. I just think you have to make sacrifices elsewhere. Just they run through the team for the benefit of... The pod listeners, so you've got Sanchez in goal, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Ben White, Kufel, Shaw, Rafinha, De Bruyne, Salah, Sancho, Mikel Antonio, Watkins, and then you've got a four million in steel and nets, Ailing, Brownhill, and your friend Keenan Davis as well. Yeah. Just doesn't go away, does he? <laughs> no, but I think it's interesting that, you, that, you, that this is the way you're kind of looking because... Whenever I'm picking my drafts at the minute, I'm kind of looking at a back four with double Liverpool defence. It's kind of what I'm sitting on at the minute. Yeah, so this is just, I have to admit, I i don't think I would go for Sancho. But it's its interesting. Again, we don't know how he's going to adapt. He should be better than maybe some of the other players, given he's you know, played in England before. So... It, it should be relatively easy. But then I'd start thinking, well, basically, it's the same pl- price as Rashford. They're both 9.5. And obviously, Rashford's out now. He's going to come back, you know, in a few months. But, you know, realistically, you know, last season, would you have wanted Rashford at 9.5? Probably not. Was he a terrible pick? Probably not. Probably decent value. So I think the point with this structure is it enables you to easily move to all those other players that we mentioned you can move to your your Marises or Foden's if they seem to be getting more minutes. You can move to your Havertz if he's, you know, for Chelsea's good run. You can move to Jota. You can move to Son. You know, that's what that that price point in midfield enables you to do, which the other structure definitely doesn't. So I guess that's just the consideration, really. I'm just um, replying in the live chat. Um, we've not had so many live viewers before. I think we we had over 60 at one moment concurrently. So it's just, it keeps climbing and we're on 62 likes. So I will let Tom do the Q&A, but Hibbo is going to be held ransom till 100 likes. So hopefully people will let you free and you can go back home to your humble abode later, Hibbo. Um, otherwise you're kind of stuck. <laughs> Others have said that you're apparently being held ransom till you do 100 live streams for Mariner. Your Dar is holding you hostage. I think that sounds about accurate. <laughs> it does, it does. Um, I guess something I, I wanted to ask you here, Tom, just about this team is, yep. firstly, I really like the De Bruyne, the, the Bruyne inclusion, but then also, I think Antonio, that, that's an interesting one. Um, He's obviously looks like he's in form. He's scored a brace in the preseason game earlier. We also know he has kind of the glass hamstrings. So yeah. is there like an exit plan there as well? Or is that someone who you would go near? There's kind of a good range of players in that 7.5 striker area right now. And I'm finding it really difficult to actually just pick two or three. So how have you kind of come to this? Because I see Watkins is in pretty much most of the drafts. And then obviously yeah. other players kind of come in and out, such as Antonio. 
Yeah, it's pretty difficult to be fair, isn't it? And I think the good thing is that there's a host of players around this price point and you can you can really kind of take your pick. But I, I take on board what you're saying, Antonio. We all know he has great stats. He's he's a really good player. I personally really like him. I think he offers a lot. And I think at 7.5, I think he's still quite reasonable value. So, yeah, that's kind of my thinking. But I appreciate you always have to be aware that his hamstring could go at any point. But at least there's a lot of other options around. So if he gets injured, or even if you know we don't know what's going to happen with the Europa League, you know, mm-hmm. is, if, if is he going to? Surely they're going to have to bring someone else in. They can't have him playing that as well. Otherwise, he is going to get injured. So, you know, is that person going? <laughs> That's to a spot? really interesting dimension, isn't it? Because so, of the uh, evenings on Thursdays every week. Yeah. Exactly. You can't have Antonio playing in those games. Surely you've got to bring in a set a, another player just to play those games and just rest Antonio for the Premier League. That's what I would do, and say, look, you're the you're the main man. This, these are the games you're getting. Rest up in the week. Just go mental at the weekend, and you know. But who knows? We we don't know what's going to happen. They could bring another uh, player in who becomes good enough that, you know, suddenly and they either playing two up front, which obviously I think would reduce his appeal a little bit, or starts taking maybe some of his minutes. We already know he sometimes gets taken off after like 75 minutes when he's absolutely exhausted. He, runs he always grabs some time. part of his leg, doesn't he? And yeah. you see him start limping at some point and you start like, yeah. oh shit, he's getting subbed. Like. You, 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 and you think he, you think he's down, basically. When you, You're kind of relieved in the end when he gets taken off. You're like, okay, you can, you can go again next week. It, exactly. But, but, you know, it's still 75 minutes. You're still missing out on 15 minutes where you could get goals. So, you know, that's what you have to live with with him. But his his stats are great. So I, I guess I, I what I would worth. say then is that it seems like this is the ideal time to have him before the Europa League starts. So um, yeah. I think Ramanathan's saying in the chat that if you are going to go for Antonio, then go for him now, really. Um, what, yeah, they've got, they got, they got good fixtures, haven't they? You know, look at the, the starting four. Newcastle, then Leicester. OK, that's, that's tough. Palace, Southampton. I mean, that's not bad at all. Three of the top, you know, those first four are, are good. So... Yeah, Hopefully. I think the other thing about Antonio, right? He's very explosive. So I remember I captained him when he got his four goal haul um, the season prior wow. to last, and that Norwich. that was that was my bet. Yeah, that was um, so I finished uh, one thousand one hundred and two overall that year, and it was pretty much yeah. captaining him that week as well as also captaining Aguero for twenty points before anyone bought him. So wow. those two captaincies made my entire season. I, I remember. Um, I guess something that I'm also keen to understand is if we just look at the stat side of things, whenever I have looked at Antonio's data when he does play and when he is fit, fully fit, that is, he seems to have the best non-penalty XG of like any player in the entire Premier League, right? Yeah, it's up there with Kane and Yavardis and, you know, those sorts of players. And he, and he seems to have taken the penalties too because he wants to break the uh, record with West Ham for most goals scored, I think. Yeah, I saw the interview he did. Uh, he seems, he seems <laughs> yeah. a confident lad, doesn't he? But uh, whether, yeah, whether he'll be... Trusted with those, I'm not sure, uh, but we'll, we'll see. Race we'll, we'll has a penalty, see. doesn't he? He Jacob does, Rich. but I think last he season missed, he, he gave them to Antonio. But Rice missed, didn't he? And then Antonio yeah. absolutely slated him in the interview afterwards, saying, <laughs> well, boss wanted him to take it, but now it's mine. So he, he was pretty confident that he was taking it. And obviously we know that if Noble's on the pitch, he's going to take it. But these days, yeah. surely Noble doesn't get on too often. Yeah. So, you know... <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's 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 a factor. If obviously if he's on penalties, he's even more appealing. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, should we move on to the next it. team, or do you have any questions here on this team? No, still? no, it's fine. I say go on the draft three now. Of course, it is the Kane draft, isn't it? So there's no Chelsea or City defence. 
one premium defender, two mid-priced. Um, I'll just read them out quickly, Tom, for the podcast listeners. Um, this will be the first time we read it out before we talked about it, but um, <laughs> it's a learning experience for me as well. Uh, so we have Sanchez in goal again, so one of the constants. We have Trent Alexander-Arnold, White, who I know you're getting from a, if he moves to Arsenal perspective, perhaps rather than being at um, Brighton, Shaw and Dinia. And then in the midfield, you've got Rafinha, Sancho, Salah and Saar with Kane and Watkins up front. And then on the bench, you have Steele in goal, Eiling, Brownhill and Davis. So this is another interesting draft. And I guess kind of to your question earlier, Hibbo, about how would you move to Kane in the first draft? This is a scenario of kind of being on Kane from day one, isn't it? Yeah, so obviously Robertson's the downgrade in defence and then that's that's what I was trying to get up with the first one. So uh, Bruno's gone down to Sancho, which it, it, that might be the way it works when the season pans out. Yeah, yeah. At least you've got the man new coverage, haven't you? Still, so yeah, that's kind of my thinking. But if you've got Salah and, and Kane, that's going to cover your captaincy surely the whole season. I mean, I can't see why you would. This is obviously Kane at at City. So yeah. Kane at Kane at Tottenham. I I personally don't think he's worth the. The money but you know if they have great fixtures maybe maybe at certain points you decide that you want to go for him but yeah this is really a, a cane at city where I, I fear somewhat that he'll become a bit of a perma captain it even makes me wonder mm-hmm. do you need a seller i mean if you've got cane then <laughs> do you stick it on him and then just like spread the value a little bit more around your team that's one option but obviously here i've still got salah you've still got the option and You've still got the Man U coverage and you've still got pretty, I think it's pretty solid defence still. You know, you've got Trent, you've got Shaw, you've got Luca Dean. It's it's actually not too bad. Uh, Yeah, I was kind of surprised. And obviously you've still got effectively one punt with Saar for one of the the championship teams. And I think, you know, from from my point of view, Tony, Saar and Brindia are the three, aren't they, that are most people are looking at. I think Sars particularly interesting. He's on he's on my draft at the minute too, so mm. he has the penalties, I think. Or he's he taken does. He's took one on pre season as well, I think, so could be does, good. At, does Deeney play? I don't know. Have you seen how many forwards they have on FPL? I think they've about four. Seven or eight. <laughs> <laughs> if Deeney plays though, surely Deeney takes the penalties. I mean, I'd be amazed if he doesn't. But yeah, you would right. think I mean, so, he, yeah, he surely. Who, who plays though, so yeah, but that would guess, worry me a bit. Like you know, even is Saar going to have reduced game time as well? I mean, if they've got that many forwards and, and attacking players, that would maybe make me a little bit concerned. So, yeah, I mean, Saar at least has the history in the Premier League. I always remember that goal he scored against Liverpool. I think he got a brace, didn't he, when they won three 0 and broke the unbeaten, uh, like kind of. <laughs> I think they were unbeaten until that point, and then they went and won three 0 so I always think of that, but yeah, he's he's a good player, but yeah, not 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 sure that from what I understand and from listening to a few people on other pods, it sounds like what for the more defensive team. So you know, is that going to affect him? Maybe it makes him more of the main man when they do get goals. But yeah, I'll be a, that's the I guess the concern. I, I just wanted to say, General Zod saying that um, it's about how attacking Watford aren't, but. I remember watching a 10-man Watford take 31 shots against Arsenal. Um, so, yeah, that was the last time they were in the Premier League. Maybe that's just a damning, damning view of my own club. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Painful times. Um, 
I guess um, the other question I had for you actually on here is I have noticed you always have the 4.5 mil kind of striker and the mid. So is it that actually when you are drafting for game week one, you're trying to get a very strong start? And I know you mentioned you, you would like to save some money in the bank, but in reality, you're almost kind of prioritizing the 11 very much so. And then you've got kind of the one decent 4.5 sub in Eiling, someone who's like a fullback, they're attacking, they're a bit exciting. But yeah. then you've got the steady two-pointer, the honest work of Brownhill, as you say. Yeah. So you've got guaranteed at least people to come off the bench. But it very much seems like all your budget in every draft is very much just in the 11. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think this draft has half a million in the bank. So you can mm. go Sancho to Son, for example, which I would probably con- consider doing. So I think that gives you a few options by just having that tiny bit in the bank here. But yeah, you're right. Generally, and, and I think that's the way I've, kind of played it over the years is that you know the covid year was probably a bit of a one-off and you needed a bit more depth on your bench i think usually you try and get as much into your first team as you can and look the reality is is it does it matter too much whether you have no player or you have brownhill coming off the bench for a two-pointer i mean it's not the end of the world is it you're you're, you're not really expecting him to get loads so that's good um i guess Kibo, do you have any questions on this one or are we ready to move to the the listeners kind of teams that they sent in advance and getting Tom's scoring of those. Yeah, happy enough to move on, but we'll just flick through those nice and quickly as well, I think. Yeah, so I think, Tom, just for your perspective, we're really looking for like a kind of a score out of 10 from you and maybe like just one sentence about what you like and dislike about their team. So okay. don't worry about giving too much in-depth details to them because there's a whole Q&A after where the live viewers, I think, would love to sure. interact with them a little bit. So we'll let you rattle through those. Um just before we do that, there is one thing which I'm going to show. So I will say hashtag ad. Um, in case anyone doesn't know, the channel has teamed up with Fantasy Football Fix officially. And in the YouTube description and pod description, there is our affiliate link to get 65% off as a new member. And um, they've got great notifications as well as an app that will give you kind of price change notifications, as well as other stats and transfers you can look at from the Elite 11, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the Q&A because at the meetup I went to on Saturday, that was a big talking point about, is it cheating? Is it not? Shout out to Nick Triggerlips who wants them all banned for doing team reveals. But um, <laughs> but um, Trigger, Trigger I hope he doesn't unfollow me because he only just followed me today. But um, going back to the ad, guys, um, I actually use Fix for all of my transfer trends information. So I always look at their price trends to understand what are the combinations of moves. So rather than just who's being brought in and who's being sold, I want to know, well, you know, 60% of Bruno sales are going to Salah, 20% to Sun. I like to kind of actually see the split of where those moves are going and see what the top 10 combinations of moves are in any given game week. And that's what my kind of regular piece is. That's what my niche is in the community. But um, yeah, if you want a membership at Fix, we work with them and do check them out. And that's the end of the uh, hashtag ad, I will say again. So let's have your drafts rated by Tom Stevenson with a little bit of feedback. Um, Thank you to everyone who sent in their teams. I think we almost got 100 submissions. So we're really sorry if we couldn't get to your team today. Um, Do kind of DM us after you've watched the live stream or the VOD. And Hibbo and I will be happy to give some thoughts on your teams um, afterwards if you weren't included today. Sorry to drag you into that one. So first team is from Bungle the Guna. so I'll just read it out. We've got Backman in goal with Foster on the bench. We have Trent Alexander-Arnold, Diaz and Shaw, Rafinha, Fernandez, Salah, Buendia, Smithrow, Wilson and Watkins. And then on the bench, we have Dunk, Ailing, and Obafemi. 
So I'll hand it over to you, Tom. I'll let you kind of give your scoring and what your thoughts are on that draft from Bungle Daguna. Yeah, I think it's all right, to be fair. Backman is probably the goalie I would really consider at the 4.5 range if you didn't go for Sanchez. And there's not too many punts there, Buendia being the main the main one. Obviously, Smithrow, I don't know his what minutes he's going to get. He signed a new contract. He's been given the number 10 shirt, I think. That, that seems pretty good. I think he could be a real bargain, but let's let's see what happens. I think his stats were okay last year. Nothing special, but I think with the extra minutes, if he plays all the time, and, and look, Nima, you've probably got a view on it as well. But yeah, I, I think overall that team's pretty solid. I think like, he's got Wilson instead of Antonio, so a little bit probably less risk there. Overall, I'd probably, yeah, bench is good. I like that. What was your score out of 10? I don't know. If, sorry, if you, I, I think I missed oh, that if you did say it. I, I'd give that probably an 8 or a 9. That's, that's pretty good. But yeah, it's pretty solid. And just on the Smith Rowe thing, I, what I would say is if I was going to look at him, I'd probably just start with him because if he is going to be nailed on, I think he'll be nailed on at the start of the season and yeah. it would take a loss of form for him to then be dropped later. So while he is kind of starting that Brentford game, that's quite an exciting one to attack, I think. Um, yeah, and I think there's actually quite a good rotation with Arsenal and um, Brighton, isn't there? So I guess you could there is. those two around. It is, it is. So let's move on to the next team from the community. So we have Donny FPL. Um, so he has Sanchez in goal with Gunn on the bench. And then he has Trent, Robertson and Fafana in defence. He has Buendia, Smithrow, Fernandez, and Salah with Cavani, Watkins and Tony up front. And on the bench, he has Lamperty, Gilmore and Johnson. So w- what are your thoughts here? And is Donny possibly playing with too many risks? Kind of going back to our earlier conversation in this show. Yeah, it's probably not too bad. There's what, you know, two in the in the starting eleven. I mean, it's a little bit more than what I was going for in those drafts. I think Lamperty's out, isn't he, at the start of the season, so I think he'd have to be swapped to somebody. But I think the the only real issue I'd have with this team, obviously you've got the uncertainty with Smith Rowe as well, but Cavani, not too keen personally. I just it concerns me with the minutes. Who's gonna play? I mean, obviously he's great and he probably played quite a lot of games, but Definitely, when there's like the Champions League and stuff, he's going to get he's going to get rotated all the time with players like Martial and Greenwood, and you know they've got they've got Sancho in there. So there's a whole load of good players. So yeah, that would be my take. So and I'd, what about I'd, out of ten? I'd probably give it a six or something, just because of that's a big concern for me. I think Cavani's nearly as old as Marner. As soon as Dar doesn't show up to host the show, all the insults and punches come out. Um, poor Mariner. Um, one thing I will say about Cavani is, in case anyone didn't know this, just before he joined Man United, um, he wasn't playing football for a while, like half a year, and he went and became a professional ballet dancer to stay fit. So wow. I-, I find that pretty sexy, I'm not going to lie. But moving on, this is a safe-for-work show, guys. Please don't complain. Next team. So we have Chappie FPL. Um, He's actually starting with Henderson as his goalkeeper. Um, Obviously, we'd heard the news that he will be number one for Man United in game week one. He has Foster on the bench. Um, He has Trent, Dinia, Kufal and Dunk in defence. Fernandez, Mares, Smithrow and Salah in the midfield. Watkins and Bamford. And then on the bench, he has Ayling, Basuma and Davis. Um, So what are your thoughts on Chappie's team and what would you score him? Pretty good defensively. Yeah, defence is good. Goalie's decent. I, yeah, Smith Rowe, I guess, is the slight uncertainty. Bamford, I'd wait. I don't think the fixtures. I mean, I was saying that I had Rafina in, so maybe it's okay, but I think there are other options. 
with the forwards, and Mares would be the one that would concern me with the minutes. I think he even scored tonight, didn't he? Are they playing tonight? He did. It was a direct free kick. Whether yeah. you want that to be a positive or negative thing, I'll leave that to each and own to decide. Wow, uh, yeah. But that's the problem. None of these friendlies change anything today. At the end of the day, we yeah. don't know. We don't know. They really they don't. Um, do you remember when Mares played the best of his career and out of nowhere, Pep would just drop him every time and there was rumours yeah. about maybe he was like, I don't know what he was doing, but clearly he said something to upset Pep because what other manager on yeah. earth would drop him after those performances? Yeah, so I'd give this probably a seven or something just because seven. Okay. a little bit too much uncertainty. But And, and just on Henderson, there, yeah. like, do you find like... Is that something you would go near? Like, for me, I, I'd feel like when Shaw is fit at 5.5, it just feels like that extra 0.5 is probably worth it, especially after what we saw in the Euros as well, no? Yeah, I, I yeah, I like Shaw anyway. And so, yeah, there's one concern that you're using him at a new spot, especially if you have any idea of going to Sancho at some point. So if you're going at Sancho, Bruno and Shaw, then you've got no room for Henderson. So if you go with Henderson, you're, you're limiting your options maybe. I think it's a decent pick. You know, there's there's not much between. Uh, I think a lot of the goalies. If he's first choice, the save points would worry me a little bit. You know, they're probably going to get a decent number of clean sheets, but they're probably not going to get too many save points. And that's the the thing with the goalies, isn't it? You know, the the, the ones at the big clubs generally kind of get. You know, they have more clean sheets, but then that gets offset with less save points. And then you can usually get cheaper goalkeepers that will get enough save points that the, the difference at the end of the season in points is not too big. So, yeah, I, I think he's reasonable still. I think he's worth considering, okay. but it depends on your structure. Yeah, no, I think on Mahrez as well, what I will say is um, my opinion is that if he was playing for any of the other 19 teams in the mm-hmm. Premier League, he would probably be like a captaincy option every single game we could have season and player of the yeah. year shout every single year, every game, every year. Um, yeah, He's an amazing player and, it's a real shame that he had to move from Leicester where yeah. he was an incredible asset to City where no matter how well he plays, he just gets dropped. Yeah. Tebo, do you have any thoughts on um, Mares or on Bamford before we move on? I, th- I think Rafinha looks like he represents better value mm. way under the Leeds attack and Mares is... He just he strikes me as the kind of player that's a transfer wouldn't be happening. Like, and I think if you're looking to limit your risk in game week one, all right, people are probably looking at Norwich in game week two. But do you really want to captain Mares against Norwich? He could explode, but mm. he might be on the bench. I don't know. Wouldn't be for me. I mean, last year yeah. he got he he was just under two thousand minutes, one hundred and forty five points. I mean, the guy still scored nine goals and eight assists, but only got one hundred and forty five points. So it shows that you know those reduced minutes, and even when he does well. It really, it really hits him. So you, you need him to play a decent number of minutes to get a good total. So you'd be spending the premium on De Bruyne, as we saw in your draft earlier, I assume. Yeah, or, or you know that price range. I think you're you're pretty close to Son, aren't you? Where you know what you get with Son, yeah. only a million more. Like he's going to potentially, like dare I say, it, become a talisman once if Kane leaves. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So moving on to the next thing, we have Tony underscore ch underscore. Um, so he has Backman in goal with Foster. He also has Robertson, Lamperty, and Trent in defence. Buendia, Fernandez, Salah, and Rafinha in midfield. I feel like I'm seeing the same midfield a lot, generally yeah. speaking, tonight. But um, there's also Tony, which I have him in my team, but I've not seen him in many of the drafts tonight, nor in any of yours, actually, Tom, interestingly. And there is Iheanacho and Antonio, too. So his bench is Eiling, Brownhill, and Manquillo. What do you think here? And is there a four million defender that you would punt on? Um I know if I did, it probably wouldn't be Manquilla for me, but 
Yeah, or Williams was rumoured to be going to Southampton, but I think if um, is it Tellez is out now, so it sounds like that may not happen. I think it's pretty um, barren ground around there. I can't see one straight away that we could go for. And obviously with Lamptey out, that he's going to have to be changed as well, but he could just change him to Veltman or White or someone like that. So there's a few options. So, yeah. And in terms of Tony... I'm just not sure. He obviously scored absolutely loads in the championship, but we know it's a completely different kettle of fish. I mean, you come into the Premier League and you're not going to be given the same amount of time. You're not going to... A lot of his goals are penalties. I mean, I think he scored like nine penalties or something. So yeah. definitely his stats are going to go down. If you, you know, he's not going to get nine penalties, I doubt, in the Premier League. Brentford, they're going to be defending a lot of the time. So, yeah, he's probably he's probably okay at six and a half million it's probably decent value but like last season Bamford was 5.5 I mean you know is he as good a value as that I, I don't really see it and I think I think their fixtures are fairly tough I mean I think they start with Arsenal don't they and the concern is if he's so highly owned like if he doesn't score against Arsenal and other forwards are kicking off then is he just going to get sold on mass He'll start tanking, right? That that yeah. that early movement and volatility we were talking yeah. about. But does like just the touch on Tony? Does the price point that Tony put you off? Because obviously he's six and a half million. Mm. You're looking at saying Nacho seven and a half, Antonio yeah. seven and a half, Watkins is seven and a half, and you you really don't have that direct change. Exactly. You'd rather go down to Tony if he's kicking off than go up mm. and have you know have to find a million somewhere else, wouldn't you? So, so what do you think about Ian Nacho then? Because he was insane, obviously, when he did nail down his position towards the end of last season. And it almost yeah. felt like Vardy was the one being a playmaker for Ian Nacho in that kind of tactics they were using. But yeah, it does worry me a little bit going into this season. I'm not sure if I would want to start with Ian Nacho. So seeing a team where kind of you have a Tony and Ian Nacho as the two kind of punts, you would yeah. say, because we don't know how nailed on he is. And Buendia is obviously like, gone to a new team um yeah. antonio has the glass hamstrings we were talking about it feels like this is one of those teams where if everything kind of went pear-shaped you would end up wildcarding within a couple of weeks and it just feels a bit dangerous to me yeah i agree Iniacho, i think he's a there's a slight concern isn't there even though he's amazing last season we know that when you have a new season things change and they're going to have barnes back madison's back in as well and they've got this decker guy i think they paid almost 30 million for so it's not it's not a cheap, you know, purchase that they've made there. They're going to utilise him somehow, and mm. yeah, really, I guess I would think that Iniacho would, in the end, take Vardy's place. But Vardy keeps going. I mean, who knows when he's going to stop? So he certainly doesn't look like stopping. Okay, maybe wasn't quite as good last season, but I'd just be worried by the minutes. I think he'll play. I think he'll probably play two up front, but you just don't know, do you? And could easily get taken off at 65, 70 minutes. And straight away, if that's happening, that's that's not really ideal when you have other options that are going to get the full 90 minutes. Like the draft we saw before, you've got like players like Wilson, where you know they're going to be the talisman, you know they're going to play. They're on penalties. Probably a better option to, to start with, I, I think. And, and Tori, what, what did you say out of 10, in case I missed it? This one, yeah, given the uncertainty, probably like a seven or something. is. Okay. Yeah. So we have FPL Serpent is the next uh, team here. So we have actually Meslier in goal for the first time tonight. Um, so another five mil option to rival Henderson. We have Gunnarsson on the bench. Um, we have Trent in defence with Dinia, Lamptey. We have Buendia, Fernandez, Salah and Rafinha midfield. Watkins, Calvert-Lewin and Tony again. And then on the bench this time, we have interestingly Ait Nuri. Um, obviously, he won't be playing left wing when the season starts. So, sorry if you've been delusional enough to believe that. And Eiling and Brownhill. Um, 
what what are your thoughts on this team and is Ait Nuri worrying is he a peak vinagre of last season or is he a Justin where it's like oh the first player is coming back you know he's coming back Ricardo's coming back and then he never comes back mm-hmm. um, so is it that Ait Nuri actually will play and that Johnny isn't coming back anytime soon and maybe Ait Nuri's okay yeah, I think there are other options there, aren't there, anyway? So I, I wouldn't be going for him. I don't think it's worth it. I think you just... What's the upside you're going to get versus the possibility that he just doesn't keep his place and you're going to have to transfer him out? So I, I think Markel competes for that position too, so even before yeah. Johnny comes back. Um, yeah. And they don't have great fixtures till game week four, so I, I think I agree. Okay. So wait and see for me on the Wolves' assets, probably. Um, yeah, but the rest of the team, I think it's quite solid. It's quite like um, mm. Meslier, I think he's a decent option at five million. He'll get a lot of saves. Will Leeds be quite as good second half of the season? You know, we will see that second half of the season um, performance this season. I'm, I'm not sure, but I think he's solid. Defence is good. Obviously, Lamberty needs to be changed, but easy to do. Midfield's pretty standard. And yeah, up front, Calvert Lewin, quite like a little bit of uncertainty around him. Richardson, maybe at the Olympics, uh, obviously, new manager. Be interesting to see what happens there, but they've got good fixtures. So overall, yeah, I'd probably give, yeah, seven or eight out of 10. Very nice. I have Calvert Lewin myself at the moment. Um, I think something I do like about the 8 million price point is that if he doesn't kind of hit the ground running, There are lots of those 7.5 million players who were saying in the striker position where I could just move on to whoever's hot at the time. Um, and it yeah. sounds like Benitez's system um, is all about kind of getting the ball from the fullbacks to the striker with crosses. So I, I'm excited to see that. And I'd like to see if Lucas Dino is someone that I should be going with. Um, I'm not sure I would... Um, like this is a tough one for you, right? So I see Buendia and Watkins. I have Watkins at the moment. I feel Buendia's incredible value. Mm. What worries me about both of these is that in game week four, I think it is their fixtures kind of turn. And yeah. I do wonder if with a team like this, you're kind of pre-banking into transfers out. Um, for me, just having Watkins, my eye is on Watkins to Jimenez in game week four, if yeah. all goes well. I don't like booking in transfers, but I feel like with Watkins and Buendia both there, you're almost like two of your 11 are transfer out already and you don't know what the fires will come, right? Yeah, and, and I guess that's uh, why some people might go for like a, a, a SAR or even take the risk with uh, Smith Rowe. Yep. yep. Cool. So we'll go to um, FPL Mahir has sent his team as well. He also actually has Meslier as an option um, with Foster in goal. He has Chilwell, Target, Trent and Robertson in a back four. Fernandez, Salah, and Rafinha, and Watkins, Tony, and Wilson, so a 4 3 3. And then he has Gibbs White, interestingly, as well as Brownhill, so two 4.5 mil midfielders. And I can't see the full name, but I think it's Omar Bob Mafemi, but I hope I said that right. <laughs> For any podcast listeners, there's only four characters in front of me, so I've had to kind of not only yeah. pronounce it right, but <laughs> guess it by memory. Um, what do you think of this one, Tom? <laughs> I think it looks pretty solid. Uh, yeah, like the defense standard midfield and there's just really the one punt with tony not quite sure about the bench gibbs white yeah not quite sure what he's doing is he starting not sure um but brown hill's there but yeah as a as an 11 i think it looks pretty good so yeah i'd, I'd probably give that an eight great so i think just conscious of time i'd love to go to the live q a now and look at what questions people have been sending because there have been lots of fantastic questions and lots of thought-provoking stuff based on what you've been talking to us about tonight, Tom. So think, thanks for reviewing Mahir's team. Um, I'm going to move it back to kind of the view of just us as a crew. 
and we're going to take the viewers questions live so while i find a good question i'm just going to put this slide up <laughs> i'm going to go to the very first ones of tonight and i'm going to start there so let's see we have quite a few good ones coming up i also need to remember how to do it so wish me luck i know how to do it i know how to do it you do um there's some stuff about noble taking penalties over antonio but i'm going to skip past those um See, see in the slide deck. Um, how do we do this? Can you cut the Kieran's team because we, we were going to review his, and then yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll flick. We'll yeah, flick let's back, do actually. that. Yeah, so if we have a quick look at Kieran's team, actually, because he was the first person to send in his team, so I do feel like we we did promise him we would show this. So yeah. I, I feel personally there's too many punts in defence, but I'll, I'll let you make your own decision, Tom. So he has Martinez in goal with Foster. He has Trent, Fofana, and Cancelo with White and Pollock on the bench, I assume. Fernandez, Salah, Buendia and Rafinha with Brownhill on the bench and then Watkins, Tony and Antonio. Yeah, I don't even know who Pollock is, but then I probably didn't know some of the championship players last year. So, <laughs> you know, could end up to be a, yeah, a diamond. But yeah, that obviously seems like a punt. Martinez, I think, is probably a bit expensive now. I can understand why you go for him. I mean, what did he get last year? 185 points or something? Yeah, so, uh, and scored a lot of players, didn't he? Like, yeah, but is he gonna is he gonna replicate that? I just think probably he had a bit of luck on his side as well. I think there were games where it, it was just kind of surprising that they didn't concede. I mean, he's obviously fantastic, but I, I don't know if he can replicate that. It, but still, if he got like 160 points or something at 5.5, he'd still be pretty happy. But I think there are other goalies that are worth considering as well. So. Yeah, not not completely sure about him. And Cancelo, obviously the minutes is a concern. I think Zinchenko might come back on the left sometimes. You've got Walker on the right. So where is he going to play? Is he going to be a bit of a rotation player? I mean, obviously he's good, but that would concern me. And then you've still got players like Buendia and, and Tony as well. So, yeah, for me, probably too many punts, I think, across the team. Yeah, that's fair. And out of 10, what would you say? Yeah, probably a seven or something. Okay. <laughs> I think you've given everybody seven. You've been very uh, no. Someone got an eight. There was someone who got, there was, got there an was eight. There was definitely an eight out there. Yeah. <laughs> there was there was an eight somewhere somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so let, let's go to the proper Q and A then. So I have a nice question to start us off with, actually. So I'm just going to move back to the free heads, and I'm going to put up the first question. Um, but anyone else, guys? Um. As I scroll up, it looks like questions from, say, like an hour ago in the show, they're long gone. So if you did have a question and we've not answered it in the course of just natural discussion, please start asking it again now. Um, I'm going to start with Nehal's question. So he has a question for you. Um, how much does ownership come into play in your Game Week 1 team? Um, I'll give my view on that and I'm sure Hibbo will as well. But let's start with you, Tom. Yeah, so I, I, I really don't want to try and think about it too much. I want to try and pick the best players and try to create as balanced a team as I can with limiting the risk with unknown players. And also maybe just at the back of my mind, just think, OK, the only time I think about ownership would be with someone like a Tony, where I'm thinking if I have him and he doesn't perform, then he could really you know, bomb and, and his price would go down pretty quickly. Other than that, I'll just try and pick the team that I think is, is best for the start of the season. I think that's a great point, Tony, because you could just back against them really on that basis that people end up in a bit of trouble where they have to sell him because his value's tanking because people do get, kind of get a bit of price anxiety early in the season. Yeah. And I think if you've got the 7.5 position, you can just move to him if you want to. 
he looks amazing. Yeah, so I think for me, what what I would add here as well is um, I, I'm quite a template player. If if there was this kind of style that I play, um, I personally try to only have maybe a max of two to three unknowns or uncertain quantities in my game week one team. So it's kind of unknown for me to go without kind of the premium captaincy options. However, when it's a kind of newly promoted striker that cost one million more than Bamford did last year, you've kind of warmed me today actually and inspired me to think that I could go for a slightly different player and just downgrade to him if he pops off and ends up rising incredibly like Calvert-Lewin did last year. And if he doesn't, maybe I can swoop in and catch him on a nice discount once the first few managers panic sell him because of a couple of tough fixtures at the beginning. Um, Okay, cool. So we have something else here actually for you. So this one comes from Buzzer, and he says, what transfer would you most like to happen from an FPL point of view? So I know Hibbo mentioned Haaland to Chelsea earlier and we talked about White to Arsenal as things that could be happening. Um, Are there any transfers, either of those two or any other ones that you're inspired by? I don't know. I'm not really that inspired by any of the the transfers to clubs. I guess I would. Well, yeah. The one, the one that I kind of don't like is is Kane. I think if Kane goes to City, I think that's kind of a negative because it just feels like so many people will perma captain him. I just think it reduces the amount of decisions that we have and the the possibility we have to to pick slightly different teams. But yeah, in terms of the other positions, I mean. Don't know really be interesting if we saw Haaland. Obviously, he's a good player. Interesting to see if he can do it here. I mean, yeah, I would imagine he can do it here. Looks fantastic, but yeah, don't can't really think of any others. How about you, Hibo? Is there any transfers you're really keen to see happen? No, well, not obviously Harry Kane. Like, you know, it's, he's a name in everybody's laps at the minute, and you're kind of looking to see is Son going to have penalties? Is he going to play in a front two with like Dele Alley and stuff like that? So, I think, I think Kane's the one. That's most realistic, maybe Grealish, but um, no, that's up for me. She's just going to pack man. a wee. Sorry, go don't, ahead. Don't mention Deli Ali again. I, I can honestly, I can see this <laughs> happening. If if Kane goes and they don't buy anyone, I, I can just I can see it now. Like Deli Ali in my team at six point five million or something. So it just scares me somewhat. He did play in part of a front two, I think, in a preseason. I know you're saying don't read too yeah. much in the preseason, but he he played up there with Sun, so I think that was kind of interesting. Um, yeah. I'm just going to pull up a question here from Anthony Chong. Go for it. Just just before you do that, can I just say Niels in the chat talks about Dumfries to Everton. He says it's not happening, but um, yeah, as a Euros be... legend, mm. I thought Tom, you might you might enjoy yeah. that shout out too. Yeah, that would be good, definitely. Especially if he's five million. Um, yeah, I don't know why we all think he'll be really cheap because surely I don't know why <laughs> he's like really really good and really attacking, and he'll probably be like six million or something. But yeah, I like I like the shout out. It's a good idea. Of course. Well, well, I just wanted to also say hi to Prasoon just because I'm not trying to pick favourites, but I actually met him in person on Saturday at the meetup. And what a lovely chap and an amazing guy to interact with on FPL Twitter for anyone who doesn't know FPL Press or Press FPL even. So this, this is just a, just a touch on Anthony Chung's question here. So he's asking, who are your captaincy targets for the opening six weeks? So game week three and game week four, obviously not very straightforward, depending on your premiums. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would try to use, if I had Salah and Bruno, I would try to use them as much as possible. But like you say, you know, two, you've got the the City game. I think it's against Norwich, isn't it? Um, and yeah, in four, it's a tough one. I, I, Newcastle, I think, have, have played against uh, Manu. So I guess Bruno wouldn't be bad in that one. 
So I'd feel okay with that. But I think it's more game week two. I'd be a bit worried about City. But are you going to bring like De Bruyne in just for that game? I'm not sure. Difficult one. But I don't think I'll bring a Marius or someone like that. It's too much of a a risk that they just don't play. They can well, even... what, what do you think about... Um, I, I know that in game week three, Bruno plays, I think, against Wolves. Game week three yeah. keeps being talked about like this horrible week, but surely if most of us have Salah and Bruno in our team, like, yeah, I'm okay surely Bruno versus Wolves is like, it, that's yeah. exactly what you've said all stream, like that's captain a premium well. against anyone. Like, yeah. Unless literally, you know, it's like Bruno's got Chelsea or something, then I'm, <laughs> I'm fine with it. Yeah. It, it, that's, that's what I was thinking. And I saw on the wire, you mentioned that you wouldn't bring in like a City player just in game week two to captain them. Unless you were intending to start with them in the first place, I guess. Um, but you wouldn't exactly. just move there for the one move for the captaincy. Exactly. And you, and you know what the situation is, right? Those first few game weeks, there is going to be chaos. Like half the team that you thought was, you know, was good, isn't going to be good. You're going to be trying to think about other players that have just told. You don't really want to be in a position where you're thinking, OK, I'm going to bring my, swap my, you know, De Bruyne in and then maybe flipping back to, to Bruno and... It, it's just kind of, you know, too much planning, basically. I think it, it, it will lead to hits. What we were saying, right, about not pre-booking in transfers, not too many of them anyway, at least. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I've just pulled up another question here. So from this is from Praz, so Praz FPL. So his question for you, Tom, is if Grealish goes to Man City, do you see him as a better or worse asset FPL-wise? I see him as worse just because of the minutes. It's as simple as that. It doesn't matter... The guy's brilliant. Love watching him. At, at Villa, he's the main man. And so you know he's going to play the 90 minutes. So you know what you get with him. And while at City, he could, you know, he could look great again. He probably will. But all those different players, what minutes is he going to get? He's definitely going to get rested sometimes. He just yeah. won't play. So, you know, you're going to have a player at again, 8 million. I think he was a touch cheaper last year. So, yeah, it's fairly expensive for a player that just may not play. So, unfortunately, even though I like him, I have to say, I think worse. Hey, bro, I, I have a, um, is it a couple of questions, I think, in one from Hatem. So, this is, um, is Bruno essential or could you cover him with something like Sancho plus Son or Morris plus Son? Like, what are your thoughts on that, Tom? And then we'll come to the other question afterwards. Yeah, so I don't think any player usually is essential, but I think you know what you get with Bruno. He's obviously a good fantasy asset. And while I appreciate he had 10 penalties last year, scored nine, do I think he's going to get that many this year? Probably not. So I'll be surprised if he gets the total that he did last year. But still, you know what he gets. You know, even though he's had the price rise, I, I can see myself changing him maybe for De Bruyne, depending on with there's good runs so while I you know I don't really want to do it for like single games if you can identify like I think it's game week eight to ten I think there's like about three or four Man City really good games yeah. I can see why you might flip to him there and then flip back when man you have that mega run I think from you know what game is it? week 14 maybe 14 to 27 or something uh, right obviously there you're going to need a two or three Man U players so yeah I, I can see why you could bounce around it's obviously it gets a bit complex if you're moving around too much but i think if you're doing blocks where you're looking at least for four or five games i think it's it's a possibility but yeah do i think it's essential no as i just said there i think you can you can move to a, a, a kdb and 
uh, depending on the fixtures, I think it can be absolutely fine. Would I want to cover him with a combo like with Mares and Sancho? That's a different thing for me. They're not premiums. They're not the same, you know, as KDB, Salah, Bruno, Kane. So I would feel a bit uncomfortable with that. You wouldn't so, feel confident like perma captaining them thirty-eight weeks compared to any of the other players you listed, yeah? No, and it depends what other players you've got. If you've got two other premiums, you're fine. But then the rest of your team might start to look a little bit worse for wear. So, yeah. So, so what are your thoughts on? I guess just Hartim's final question. What are your thoughts on um, Callum Wilson? Yeah, I think he's a, a decent option. He's he's obviously like I, I don't rate him as as highly as saying Iniesta or Antonio, but the difference is is that he's the main man. You know that he's going to get the minutes, and he's on penalties. So all of those things, being a talisman at his club, I think it, it means that he's a decent option still. And I think he'll do okay. I mean, what did he get last year? 134 from 2,000 minutes. So he got injured a bit, didn't he? I, yeah. I think if he plays more minutes, then you, you could get 160, 170, which I think at that price at 7.5 is pretty decent. I think so the I think starting he, fixtures yeah. are fantastic, aren't they? Yeah, I think they're okay. Yeah, well, West Ham, West Ham Villa, Southampton. Yeah, it's okay. Like I, like, I know Newcastle's not the most attacking team, but um, yeah. let's say, for example, they get Willock back on loan, then maybe, maybe that would make me a bit more excited about a yeah. Wilson pick and how he frees him up. But, um, yeah. but the, thing about, the thing about Wilson is Newcastle are that crap. He just hoovers up the bonus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If he, I think he, he has like an 80% goal. goal involvement or something. Yeah. If Newcastle score, he's pretty much involved in some way. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. I have a question from Dan, the FPL way. I'm actually going to put up a slide as well because I think... I don't know where he got this from, but congrats, Tom, if you did. I, I don't think you did, but <laughs> he says congrats on finishing second last season. Um, like, I know I was speaking <laughs> up your he record. Means the, he means the Hoff, I think. He means the Hall of Fame. Oh, in the Hall of Fame in general. Okay, oh, okay, fine, fine. That makes a lot more sense. Okay. He was going to ask what you were going to do differently this season, but for anyone, because there's a lot of live viewers that perhaps weren't here at the beginning, for anyone who didn't see Tom's record, I'm just going to pull it up on screen while you answer this one, Tom. Um I'm going to remove the question, though, because it seems to cover your face on the video. But, um, yeah, what, what will you do differently this season? And congrats on the Hall of Fame number two. Um, perhaps not OR. Yeah, uh, I guess, you know, as we spoke about, I'm going to try and be a bit more conservative in terms of the the, the punts and the, the unknowns. So picking players from the championship or those from abroad, I'll try to limit that. So as you saw in a few of those drafts I had, I normally had probably one or maximum two players who weren't in the premiership last year and where you kind of feel pretty secure in roughly what points they're going to get so that'd be my biggest thing and i guess yeah definitely try and maybe save some money if i can save just half a million i'll think it's an accomplishment so yeah that'll be my other aim fantastic um i'm gonna then go back from the slide then um just just for anyone on audio listening as well so I guess you've hopefully not skipped to the end if you're on audio. But um, yeah, so Tom has kind of six top 10Ks, five top 5Ks, and his last three finishes are 1,800, 300, and 1,200. So these are just incredible numbers, especially considering how many players there have been in the last three years. Um, so yeah, very well-deserved Hall of Fame rank. And I'm going to go back to then the three of us. Um, this is kind of, I think it might be a, I, I honestly don't know if this is a real question. I, I hope not, but... Um, We'll put it up anyway because Deli Ali at 6.5 is interesting. So Lego Mane, um, he asks, is Delhi back on pens? Um I, I don't know, like is he even playing? What what do you think, Tom? 
Yeah, uh, I have no idea whether he's back on pens. Uh, I, I presume we're factoring in Kane going, but uh, yeah, yeah, I oh, I, I just have just bad feelings about this given last season and having to wild cards pretty much because Deli Ali was in my team and yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> So, it sounds like you did have a fair few punts then against your own rules and still yeah, somehow in a 1k finish. Yeah, well, yeah, I had to, had to act quickly to sort it out. But, You're uh, putting out a lot of fires, it sounds like. Yeah, luckily you have the wild card, but yeah, you generally don't want to try and use it in game week three, but had to do so last season mainly because of this guy. So I guess that's the lesson for me. Really. <laughs> that's the lesson. I hope they listen to you and take your uh, wise words on board. Yeah. Um, so we have another question from Neha, actually. Um, and pl please do keep sending in questions, guys. Um, he's asking, is Mane being gravely overlooked? So interestingly, I did see a tweet, I think, from FPL Go earlier where he said a list of players who had a higher ownership than Mane at the moment. And they included everyone from kind of Jorginho to pretty much every DM you could think of in the entire game. So that was a bit odd. Um, I do wonder if that's just because I've not seen a single draft with Salah and Mane together. And I can't imagine people going for Mane without Salah. So that's mm -hmm. the first question is kind of, is Mane just got a low ownership because everyone's gone for Salah? Do you see a viability in doubling up with Liverpool in Mane and Salah from game week one? And are there any other sleeping giants, in your opinion, apart from Mane with this kind of 3% ownership? Yeah, I think, I think Mane's a little bit interesting. I think the problem here is he's clearly mispriced. And so being so close to Salah, when Salah has the penalties, it just makes everyone's decision for them. So that's the biggest issue. But in terms of if you were just looking short term, I mean, given Liverpool's fixtures, it's not, you know, the worst tactic in the world to get him in at the start. You could have him in for the first five or six games and he could be your third Liverpool. And it would probably be quite good. I mean, obviously you miss out on the alternative captain. So if Liverpool then have a harder game, I mean, they haven't got too many hard games, but they've obviously got Chelsea in game week three. So that's the problem. So really, I guess if you were going for Mane, you'd probably get him in with Salah, take the first two game weeks, which are Norwich and Burnley, and then flip Mane to a, uh, a KDB or Fernandes. But the problem, of course, is if you do that and he doesn't smash it, then you could start to see the price drop on him and others rising. So that may mess you up. So it becomes a bit complex. So overall, I, I think he's still, I think he's underrated, but the problem is I think he's overpriced as well. Mm. So yeah, he's, like, they didn't give us a difficult decision. If he yeah. was like one and a half million less, maybe we'd see some slightly more different drafts going on in the community, but they just priced him too closely. And I, yeah. I think it was lazy pricing in my opinion. Um, yeah. I don't mean to call them out for copying Ben Krellin for the fixtures and also then call them out for releasing the site too early just to get some cheap marketing um, instead of bothering to improve the game in any way. And sorry if you're from official FPL and you're listening, but call me direct and we'll chat, guys, because you could do so much more with the community you have, and it's they kind of embarrassing. A, they released a game at a time when nobody was interested in the game. Yeah, that, that is very true. Um, I'm also conscious that Tom has done us a massive favour and I do not want to keep him here all night. So we have gone past the two-hour mark. Um, there is maybe one or two more questions. I think we'll go to a quick fire before we head out of here. So there's a couple of questions that look quite interesting. So I'm just going to pull them up and maybe Tom on these ones, we just kind of do a quick fire yeah. and we try to get through as many as we can. Um, I don't want anyone to miss out. So that one I'm not putting up, but it says, why Wilson when you can get ASM? Um, 
we, we don't take to trolls well. <laughs> I will ask Bungle the Gooner to ban any trolls. Be careful, guys. Um, while I'm looking for the question as well, guys, um, I have so the question is about Grealish, or have you found a different one? Oh, you've got this one, okay. Mar- Mar-es, Mar- Manny and Mares or Son on Sterling, if you had a pick? Oh, I mean, both of those have got a huge amount of uncertainty. Son Sterling, if I had to pick, just because Son's guaranteed, I guess, and a bit cheaper, but you don't really like Sterling either at that price. Mm. Um, Fair. What do you f- what do you feel about so from Anthony Chung? What do you feel about Grealish moving and everyone's kind of talking about Grealish at City and whether he's viable? But actually, Anthony's asking about what happens to Villa once he leaves and how will it affect Villa and when they lose yeah. that ball carrier, like will they concede more chances? So from a defensive point of view, does that kind of put you off someone like Martinez? I guess. Yeah, I think um, if you have a player like that leave, I don't think it's a good thing. I think it yeah you take away some of their threat. Some of that, um, you know, he would often carry the ball in transition, win free kicks. So, yeah, I think that's a little bit of a problem. So I can see them becoming, you know, coming under more pressure than they were before. So I don't think Grealish leaving is a good thing. Obviously, they've got Buendia, who should be maybe a decent replacement. But overall, yeah, I think that makes them a worse team. I I, I agree. So Nasu asks, um, do you plan to start off with Shaw considering the injury? I know... We saw Shaw in many of your drafts earlier. Um, what are your yeah. thoughts on that? Because they now said Telus is injured too, right? Yeah, I mean, I've seen Shaw in lots of Twitter photos and stuff where he seems to be having quite a good time. I'm not <laughs> sure how injured he is. So, well, he um, played. He played the entire knockout rounds for England, apparently, with the injury, right? So, yeah, I think how problem, injured are we saying? The problem might be is him maybe losing the the weight that he might have been putting on with all his partying. So that's probably a bigger mm. concern. But in terms of the injury, I I don't think he'll be injured when it comes to the start of the season. But yeah, got to look, listen to any press conferences, etc., and try to try to get some info. But if it looks like he's playing, I think I get him in because. Yeah, I don't think you want to start moving to players that you really like later on. It's just, yeah, you've got other other things to deal with. No, no, that, that's, a, that's a great comment. Um, I just want to say on that front, um, there was something, Hibbo, so you go ahead, I'll, I'll pull it up after. I was going to say, well, we asked the last question, but... <laughs> yeah, well, it just feels like the questions are all coming. So maybe we asked the question of Tom of, how do you feel? Because it's 11.40pm here in the UK. I don't know where some of our viewers are. I think it's the morning for some of them tomorrow. But um, how are you looking? Do we have one more question in you? Or yeah, are we okay looking to that. get out of here? Uh, uh, oh, yeah. I don't get a bit early. So, yeah, I'm fine. Okay. Well, if you don't have a hard stop, um, you put your hand up when you need to get out. Hibbo can't escape his prison. We didn't get to 100 <laughs> likes. We only got to 65. You can go home tonight and sleep. With your, you know, have a nice mm-hmm. evening. But Hibbo is stuck. <laughs> my, wife, my, my wife watches the show now so she's going to be seeing all this interior design stuff she'll not be happy <laughs> oh no so quick question from this is Fraser from Twitter so we're saying quick question about price raise do you sometimes get players who are rising but you don't necessarily like the player or don't need the player so uh, do, you, do, do, you, do you strictly chase the price or do, you, or do you have to have an interest in a player? Yeah, I'd never strictly chase the price. I think that's a bit crazy. Like if, if you don't rate the player, you're going to be stuck with him. So yeah, 
I can I can understand if you're a little bit unsure and it's a, you kind of think it's a bit of a bandwagon. But the, as long as there's some fundamental reason why you you think it's still a good option, like he's he's looking confident, you feel he's a decent value, he's in decent position, his stats are decent. There's something about him. I wouldn't just buy the player just because of the price rise. No, there, there should be a lot of other players where you can they're getting price rises, which who are who you do rate. So I'd go for them instead. Okay. Um, I have a question here for you about like yes or no to double Liverpool defence. Um, I'm struggling to find it. Here it is. Is TAA plus Rob a, a double up good start of the season? Um, I think yeah. you probably answered this earlier, didn't you, in terms yeah. of just you know what you get with Robbo compared to other exactly. assets in that price range? Yeah, I would do that unless we hear that Jota is, um, is kind of definitely going to get 90 minutes for the first few games. Then I just kind of feel that that's a safe way in. As I've said before, the only consideration is how that then works with the rest of your structure and whether you are missing out on like a seven to ten million midfielder that you might want or some other forward. So, yeah, but yep. decent. We have a similar question as well. So from uh, Lens Gabriel, one of our co-hosts of the show, um, he says, how do you rate the six to six point five mil mids compared to the defenders? So sim- similar kind of topic of, say, a Rafinha versus a Robertson or Smith Rowe versus Shaw, Saar versus Chilwell. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because I know in the past, mm. the template was always the cheapest defence you could possibly fathom, right, in the early yeah. days of FPL and all the big hitters up front. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, outside of Rafina, I don't think there are too many really, you know, op- the, too many options that you definitely know what you get. You know, there's a lot of championship players and, yeah, players like Smith-Rowe where you're not quite sure about the minutes. So, yeah, to be frank, I'd probably favour some of these defenders. Definitely Robbo, Chilwell, probably a bit of uncertainty there, but surely Alonso doesn't eat into too much of his game time this year. So I think Chilwell is a good option, for, definitely from game week seven or so when they have good fixtures. I'd be really looking at Chilwell. And you could start with Robbo and then flip to Chilwell in game week seven. Sounds pretty good. By Alonso, the day, Alonso's been linked away, I think, again. Has he? Yeah. I mean, surely it must be coming to the end of his... His time. It looked it like his time was coming to an end. Yeah, it wasn't very good, was he last year? I mean, I I, I punted on him a couple of times, even near the end, where I tried to utilize the extra value that I had in my team, and I was like, okay, I'll get Alonso. It was pretty disappointing. Yeah, no, I remember many captains, including uh, my friend FPL Pig the singer. Um, he felt like he had to captain players. I think just so he could sing songs about the pain, <laughs> so we would pity him. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, it's a shame he yeah. can't come to the UK um, due to kind of the, obviously COVID issues. Um, he was hoping to come to the Fancy Football Fest on the 13th of August, but yeah. it does not look like that's possible for him, sadly. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm looking, there's people asking, can we rate their team? I'm, I'm sorry, Finlay, uh, Finlay. I don't know if you sent it in advance, but it's not in the slides. So just contact me and Hibbo afterwards. Prasun wanted to know, um, are you Bruno or Bru Yes? I guess yes, but... It depends what happens with other players. So, as I said before, don't think he's essential. Don't even think he's going to get as many points as last year. But he's still a good fantasy option and he'll get quite a few. Might get, yeah, if I was going to guess, 220, 230 points. So, he's still a very good option. Will there be other players that emerge? Possibly. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with Havertz. We don't know what's going to happen with Sancho. So, there could be other options. But, yeah, overall, I'd say yes. I'm not going to dismiss him. I think he's a good option. Um, I have another one from Tinesh. Um, so this is FPR underscore TT on Twitter. Um, 
I feel like we did maybe cover this a little bit earlier, but we're doing a rapid fire anyway. So he asked, do you chase price rises early, especially um, given that volatility early on, or do you play safer due to COVID? Um, from my like my memory was that you said you just kind of took the hits anyway because that's you're used to taking those hits early. You yep. kind of go for that early on, don't you? Yeah, definitely chase the price rises, but you know within reason. You don't want to make too many hits. You don't want to make too many rash decisions, but at the same time, you do want to try and build uh, a value where you can and especially get players that you feel are, are really good. So, yep. I need to wrap it up. I think I'm getting a lot of uh, messages saying that this is our longest show we've ever had in history, but it's also the most live viewers we've had. So thank you for your patience, Tom. Sorry for keeping you so late into the evening. Um, there are many other questions we couldn't get to. I apologize for that, guys. Tweet the three of us during the week and we'll speak to you. But Hibbo, can, can I ask Can I ask one final question? Oh, it is your own question now. This is, this is my own okay. question. Yeah obviously, yeah. obviously, obviously, we have like money league rivals. So, like, you have somebody in like your money league, and it, you know, it can get quite tense at times. Have you ever had any contact with Fabio Borges, Hall of Fame number one? No contact. No. No. It's just it's just like a silent rivalry. Yep. Silent <laughs> rivalry, and the, the guy the guy needs to have like a half a million finish or something for me to go over him. He's uh he's a very good player, clearly, and uh, yeah, very consistent. So. It's it's something to aim for, but unless he has a bit of a mare, then uh, which to be frank, I'm likely to have before him by the looks of it. So yeah, he's uh, he, he's clearly very good. You know, he he, he yeah. is definitely um, someone quite impressive as well. But I do feel that we don't really see him involved in the community as much as you. So you'll always be our favourite, and in oh, my okay. mind, you're number one Hall of Fame. So <laughs> fuck what Scout says. Sorry <laughs> for the cursing, but um, guys, so. In case you can't see on the bottom of the screen, smash like or get out. Um, I'm going to kick you out soon anyway, so smash like before you leave, please. Um, it's been amazing, Tom. We've really enjoyed having you. Um, thanks for bearing with us. I know that we've perhaps not had as many hiccups as before, so you've made us be on our best behavior. I don't think Hibbo's even had a drink tonight. No, I was drinking water. And wow. that is a first, so you must really have starstruck him there, Tom. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for having me on, guys. It's, uh, yeah, really good. Real pleasure. No, amazing. Um, love, love the pod. So, yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much. And honestly, we appreciate seeing you in the chat um, every week. And it's been amazing interacting with you over these uh, weeks. And I can't actually wait for the new season ahead together. And you're very much part of the family. And I think we'll all be staying in touch. So, just to get us out of here, guys, um, I'm going to do a little bit of housekeeping before we go. And then I'm going to get us out. So, Please do like, subscribe, help us get to the 1,000 subscribers. As we said, we're going to be donating $100 to charity, to a heart charity, especially in light of what happened with Christian Eriksson. Um, we are on podcast now. I'm very pleased to say we've had 250 downloads plus for each of the last three episodes, which is a long way from the 30 to 60 downloads we had last season. So preseason has been amazing. We love all of you for your support. We're on over 21 reviews. And the last time I was complaining at being on 13, Please keep reviewing on iOS if you have an iOS. Um, what's coming next? So on Friday night, UK time, 11.30 or Saturday, 6 a.m. Singapore for Mariner, Paul Mariner. We're going to move on to the next stage of the show where we look at the midfielders and we're going to look at four more teams from FPL Lens Gabriel's matchups. So that's what's coming on Friday. And then the Compass show is going to continue now every Tuesday. So net that hall will be two shows a week, Tuesday live at 9.30 every week and Thursday or Friday before the deadline at about 3 or 4 p.m. every week. Hibbo and I will be co-hosting the Compass show together and the Matchups and Captaincy show will be 
Mariner and Lens going forwards. So that's kind of just a bit of housekeeping about what to expect from the show going forwards. Hibbo, do you have anything you want to say before I get us out of here? I was going to ask you who your guest is for next week. So, so I can't announce it yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to announce it on Twitter tomorrow. Um, I, I have someone very exciting planned, let's just say. Um, after someone like Tom, they had to be someone of equal merit. Otherwise, um, we would have been going downhill far too quickly. Oh, I'll keep it there. It's a surprise. It's a surprise. I look, I look forward to that. Yeah, yeah, I hope you all find out soon. Um, let's just say that the FPL meetup on Saturday in person um, led to many drunken conversations and many confessions. So thank you, Tom. Thank you, Hibbo. As always, we're in at that hall. Thank you, everyone, for your support. Um, this preseason has been amazing, and we cannot wait for the season ahead with you all. So thank you, and good night.